That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Bald Face Truth. So the last few days, I got to be honest with you, I haven't left the house a whole lot. I'm not sure how healthy it has been for me to be uh, sequestered, hold up, you know, basically uh, looking around going, I have no idea if it was a sunny day or a rainy day yesterday, for example, the day before that, even even today. I have not been outside today. That's kind of what this whole covering of the Pac-12 saga has done. Again, I'm not sure it's healthy. You know, a little bit, a uh, little bit isolated. I got a little bit. You know, I'm not writing a manifesto or anything, but I, I'm getting there. Um, I have uh, been talking a lot, obviously, about the saga of your favorite or least favorite football conference, the Pac-12. And yesterday, at six o'clock when the show ended, Anna basically got a shoehorn out and said, "You need to go outside. You need to do something other." then focus on sports or the Pac-12 conference. She's trying to give a little balance to my life. And so she said, you know, she wanted to see the Barbie movie. And it just so happened coincidentally that Anna was dressed in a pink skirt and a pink outfit, a pink shirt, had her hair frizzed like it was the 1990s, and uh, had two tickets to go see the Barbie movie. I don't know if you've seen the Barbie movie, but... uh, That was quite a bit of whiplash for me to go from focusing on the Pac-12 conference to going to the movie theater and seeing the Barbie movie. Now, I did end up with an aisle seat on the end in case there was an issue or uh, some news on the Pac-12 front. I also did what people don't traditionally appreciate in a movie theater. I had my phone out. I had the brightness turned all the way dim, though. So I was trying not to, you know, disrupt anybody. And uh, I was receiving a few text messages, sending a few text messages. And I became, during the Barbie movie, increasingly discouraged for Oregon State, Washington State, Utah, Stanford and Cal even. As I was texting with multiple sources across the Pac-12 footprint and in other some other conferences in some cases, The picture was starting to form for me of Arizona and Arizona State bolting from the Pac-12 conference and leaving this conference in total disarray. Remember, UCLA, USC already gone. Colorado left last week. Pac-12, use whatever metaphor you want. Amber Alert, on the ropes, um, standing on the edge of a knife. I've heard that one. Um, Pac-12 in trouble, okay? Plain and simple. An existential crisis mixed up in it more than 100 years of history, tradition, rivalries, a whole bunch of people, fan bases, fan bases in Corvallis, Oregon, fan bases in uh, in Eugene, 
fan bases in Pullman and in the Bay Area and in Salt Lake City, in Tucson, in in uh, in Phoenix as well. A lot of people, a lot of personalities, coaches getting asked, what is going to happen with this conference? Um, you know, what is the future of your program in the conference? Regents meeting. Nothing scares and and uh, terrifies a Pac-12 fan like hearing that the regents of another school are meeting. <laughs> I could just anytime the regents are meeting, everybody goes, "Oh, the regents are meeting." Oh, we got a screenshot of the agenda. Well, the Arizona Board of Regents has a meeting on the books for six o'clock tonight, and it's a meeting that yesterday had you had you tap me on the shoulder in the Barbie movie, and you had you said, "Hey, what what is going on?" I would have said the Pac-12 is done. And there's a Regents meeting for 6 o'clock and, uh, tomorrow, which is today. And it appears as though Arizona and Arizona State are moving in lockstep. They're leaving the conference. Now, I don't have a dog in the fight. Like, I'm not emotionally attached to the Pac-12 conference. I've been covering this story. I do care about the various fan bases. I worry about the loss of tradition and rivalry in sports. I don't like it. I don't like what television is doing to us. They're manipulating us. They're exploiting us. They're, they're making you go to games at 7.30 for a kickoff on a Saturday night and drive midnight, 1 a.m. on I-5. T- TV's doing that to you. Nobody else. They are also threatening to uh, scatter your conferences and splinter your conferences uh, in your major college football conferences, causing all kinds of chaos and instability in the ecosystem. And uh, simultaneously, they are trying to trying to get us trained to the idea that the most important thing with a college football program is how much money it gets as part of its media rights deal. You see the fan bases in the Big 12. Oh, we're getting $31.7 million per year distribution. What are you getting? And the Big 10 conference. Oh, yeah, we're getting $68 million. What are you getting? And it goes so on and so forth with the SEC and the ACC. And, of course, the Pac-12 wants as much money as possible. But I don't like what TV's done to this. But that's beside the point, maybe a conversation for another time. Because last night, if you would have asked me at the Barbie movie, as I was trying to have a diversion from all of this stuff, what was going to happen with the Pac-12, I would have told you it's over. It's done. Amber alert. They're going to meet. They're going to disintegrate. But something happened overnight. I don't know what. But this morning, I woke up to a message from the Dan Patrick Show saying, hey, we'd love to have you back on the show We'd love to have you talk about this Pac-12 stuff. Can we get you on at like 8.30 in the morning? Now, granted, it was like 6.30 when I got this message. So it gives me like two hours to make phone calls, to reach out to people, to find out, hey, is there anything new? Because I fully expected to go on the Dan Patrick Show and say, hey, Pac-12's done. This is over. It's really sad. Let's talk about how bad TV is. And Dan Patrick, who I respect immensely, I think he sees the world, um, we see the world a little similarly. Like, you know, we're from kind of the same generation of uh, media member, and also uh, I, I just think we kind of see the landscape the same. And I, I love his interviews, you know, and I, I think I like the way he interviews people. So I just like his style. Maybe you do too. So I have, I've gone on his show numerous times, but I thought, you know, let me find out what the hell's going on so when I go on his show, I don't sound like a raving idiot. So I started making calls, and one of the first responses I got from a member of the Pac-12 CEO group was something that surprised me. Because I reached out to numerous people 
in the room, presidents, chancellors. I reached out to athletic directors. I even reached out to coaches because in some cases, I do think the ADs would turn to the coaches and go, hey, what do you think about being in the Big 12? What do you think about being in the Big 10? There would be discussions with football coaches. So I reached out to one source who is on the CEO group. That means they're in the room when the decisions are made. There's only nine of them. And I said, you know, really feels like Arizona, Arizona State are going today. And uh, anything that I need to know. And the response came, you have different information than I have. Which always gets me to sit up in my chair. Because if you have different information, and you're somebody inside that, that inner sanctum, I am awfully curious what information you have. Because part of my job, and this is the hard part, is finding out what is said behind closed doors by people who don't want me and you to know what's being said. Sometimes because they just like to be private. Sometimes because there is a downside to you and I knowing what's going on. And sometimes because there is just not a lot of trust in relationship. And so this person told me that Arizona and Arizona State were not out of the fold. And in fact, Dr. Robert Robbins, the Arizona president, and Michael Crow, the president at Arizona State, had at different points in the last 24 hours told the Pac-12 that they were in. And in fact, I think the Pac-12 yesterday thought it had a grant of rights deal, thought it had everybody ready to sign. There was a holdup, though. What happened yesterday? Well, you may have tuned into yesterday's show, and you may have heard Dan Wetzel come on the program and talk about the University of Oregon and Washington, and potentially Stanford and Cal, being targets of the Big Ten Conference. Now, decide for yourself if it was convenient timing by the Big Ten and Fox to float that out when seemingly the Pac-12 had a deal, or if that's just what conferences do in the event of, uh, you know, something's going on and we want, uh, we want to find out, you know, if anybody's interested before they go and sign on the dotted line. Dan Wetzel, who came on the show yesterday uh, and joined me, had this to say. If they go to 18, the two schools are Oregon and Washington. Those, they make the most sense competitively in terms of TV money and all of that. If they go further and go to 20, they will add Cal and Stanford and take the entire West Coast for the Big Ten. The Big Ten is about to buy the West Coast. There it is. Dan Wetzel, yesterday, Yahoo Sports broke that story. So the news this morning was interesting to me that Arizona and Arizona State were apparently not a done deal to the Big 12 Conference because I had sort of believed that. I saw some of the reporting that was going on on Twitter, a lot of the sentiment. I wasn't seeing anything that said Arizona and Arizona State were committed to the Pac-12. So it was really interesting to find that out today, and I was told that, Arizona and Arizona State might go to the Big 12 if Oregon and Washington left for the Big 10. Now, the Pac-12 conference was preparing itself today to have to fight off the Big 10 conference. They believed that the Big 10 conference was going to make an offer to Oregon and Washington today. Not Stanford and Cal, just Oregon and Washington. Wetzel's scenario number one coming to fruition that the Big Ten was interested in going to 18 teams. It would take Oregon and Washington. And by virtue of taking Oregon and Washington under their Fox TV deal, 
They would essentially splinter the Pac-12 conference into nine pieces because Arizona, Arizona State would seemingly then go, okay, there's nothing to see here. We'll go to the Big 12 conference. Oh, by the way, Fox has got part of the Big 12 conference uh, TV deal. You understand now how uh, how insidious this stuff can get. And uh, so today I was told that Arizona and Arizona State were looking at Oregon. And I was also told by a member of the Pac-12 CEO group that the sentiment in the room was that Washington would not jump unless Oregon jumped. That Washington was very much in a partnership or an alliance with the Oregon Ducks. So I have a question for you today, and you're gonna get we're gonna get joined here shortly by Dave Softy Mahler from KJR in Seattle. But I have a question for you today that I'm gonna ask you. Would you rather have the Oregon Ducks and Washington Huskies in the Big Ten? Are they better off in the Big Ten? Or are they better off in the Pac-12? Because I have long believed, and I've long told you, that Oregon wants to be in the Pac-12 conference. Oregon does not value the money and the exposure as much as they value the access to the college football playoff. And they can get access to the playoff by seemingly being the big fish in the Pac-12 pond. Kind of like Gonzaga in the WCC when it comes to men's basketball. Oregon has a inherent advantage. But people in Seattle maybe don't see it the same way. I've heard from people on Twitter. I've talked to people who live and work in Seattle. And uh, I've got Dave Softy Mahler on the line. Dave, I'm just going to ask you right out, right out, in, right out front. The typical Washington Husky fan, would they rather see Washington in the Pac-12 conference as a big fish or in the Big Ten conference? Well, I think in some ways it depends on the demographic of fan that you're talking about, right? If you're talking to a you know, 75, 80-year-old Pac-10, Pac-8 football fan that really respects the history, tradition, rivalry, just simply doesn't want to wake up and see UW playing in any conference besides a conference that starts with the Pac, then you probably get some pushback to this. But I, I think for the younger generation of fans, and I don't know if I'd count myself in that group or not. I'm 50 years old in a week, for God's sake, so I may be kind of a hybrid tweener right there. They're ready to move on, right? Because what's the one thing, John, that the Pac-12 has not had in the last decade? And ironically, all of a sudden has a bit of right now is relevancy. You go to the Big Ten and you are relevant. You are relevant every single year. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska maybe on the come, Michigan State on the come. You're back with USC, UCLA in basketball. There's always going to be relevancy in the Big Ten. It feels like there's two little buses here. One bus is going to play Pebble Beach and the other bus is going to the bingo hall. I want to be on the bus that goes to Pebble, John. I want to go to Carmel, California and play Pebble Beach. I got no interest in playing bingo. I hate freaking bingo, for God's sakes. My mom at the old folks' place where she lives plays bingo. I don't want that. I want to be on the big boy bus to the Big Ten. So I think a lot of Husky fans, most of them that you would poll today, uh, would say they are ready to move on and go to a conference that gives them some relevancy every single year. I think there's a bit of a Gonzaga parallel here because if the big bus is going to the CFP, and you're going to get a playoff team. Do you really think yeah. Washington and Oregon, with any kind of consistency, can get by Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and everybody else in the Big Ten? Well, look, I mean, that's why you play those games in the non-conference season, right? You've been telling me for years, not you, but just people in general, I guess, that you play those tough non-conference games against Miami, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, because iron sharpens iron, and you want to be the best version of yourself come November. That's why you play those tough games. So, 
you'll play those games in November, but you're not, or excuse me, September, or, uh, yeah, but you're not going to play them in November and October. Look, I, I, I just think in the end, the rising tide raises all boats, John. If, if, if Oregon and Washington both go to the Big Ten, they're going to have access to more recruiting, more marketing, uh, a bigger footprint uh, than they have right now, and they will be a better version of themselves. And maybe the Big Ten eventually in a 12-team playoff ends up getting two, if not three teams, maybe down the road. And you know what? That 12-team playoff one day could be 24. Hell, it could be 36. Who knows where they stop with that freaking thing. So I think that UW and Oregon heading to the Big Ten, John, will make them a much better version of what they have been so far at their best in this conference. How does it feel to you? Because you know, I'm not as into the rivalry as you are, but how does that feel when people say Oregon and Washington either move together or stay together? Is that right. flying with Husky fan? Well, it's weird to hear about an alliance between UW and Oregon. There's no doubt, because when you think alliance, you don't think Washington, Oregon ever uh, and never will. Uh, I, I wonder, like you, how much of that is at the request of the Big Ten that, look, we got USC, UCLA. Uh, we don't want three teams on the West Coast. We want an even four on the West Coast. Maybe it's UW, Oregon, and then Cal and Stanford down the road so we can form our own six-team Western division in the Big Ten. So I wonder, John, how much of that is coming directly from Ted Conference. How much of that is coming from upper campus on Washington uh, saying, look, you know, we, we know this is going to be tough on our kids travel-wise, not just football players, but also the Olympic sports, baseball, volleyball, soccer, golf, track and field, things like that. We want to be able to at least have one game that we're not flying seven hours to get to, and that game's going to be in Eugene, Oregon. So you got USC, you got UCLA. All of a sudden, maybe you're alleviating some pressure for the kids when it comes to travel uh, because you got three teams now uh, on the West Coast and not just two teams on the West Coast. But I do wonder how much of that is being kind of pushed by the Big Ten. Um, I don't know. I mean, look at Oregon's got the sugar daddy and Phil Knight, right? You know, money for them is not going to be a gigantic problem as long as they're in the good graces of Nike, whether Phil's alive or not. But I just got to think that at some point in time, cooler heads will prevail and they will realize the opportunity to be in a relevant conference every single year, and not just in football, but also in basketball and other sports as well. To me, that's just too much, John, to turn down. Dave Softy Muller, our guest, KJR in Seattle. All right, before I cut you loose, um, George Klyovkov, the Pac-12, the last year, how damaging has all of this been to the brand? Let's say the conference pulls together. Um, how sure. damaged, how beat up is the brand? I, I think it's massively beat up. I mean, it's it beat up the day that USC and UCLA took off. I mean, look, man, uh, George Klyovkov, I've said this on the air, John, many times, took over the Titanic after it hit the iceberg, okay? It was already leaking. It was already heading to the bottom of the damn Atlantic Ocean. You cannot have a version of the Pac-12 that's legitimate without the L.A. schools. It may have the same name. It may have the same logo, but it's never going to be what it once was. Once you lost the L.A. schools, this thing was going down, and it was going down hard. So I don't blame George Klyovkov for it really any of this, to be honest with you. And frankly, I, I tend to put the blame on the presidents more than I do George, or, uh, Larry Scott. Larry Scott, we've always called him a puppet. He was always a puppet for the Pac-12 presidents. You know, just pull the strings and whatever you want Larry to say, Larry will repeat. Well, if that's the case, then we're blaming the inmate and not the warden. I would always blame the warden, but I think the Pac-12 has taken a significant hit reputation. Uh, there's no question about that. And for me, I, 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 John, I just think it's time for schools like Oregon and UW, if they have serious aspirations about consistently playing for a national title and being relevant, to get the hell out now. You're turning 50. You're, you're, how different do you feel? Uh, and why are you so worried about this one? i got to be honest with you, man. For the first time in my life, I feel old. It's really weird. I don't know. I'm, I look in the mirror. I see gray hair. I see wrinkles. I look at my hands. I see wrinkles on my hands. 
Uh, I'm not exactly a guy that's been, you know, in the hard labor industry my entire life. I do radio, for God's sakes, for a living, but it's weird. My dad passed away a year ago. My mom is in an uh, assisted living facility. Uh, I kind of feel like sometimes I don't have any parents because my mom has her own medical issues, and now that I'm turning 50 years old, it just feels like I'm kind of hitting that next stage of my life, and it just it sounds weird. I don't know, man. It sounds odd. You tell me. Yeah, Why I, do I, old I'm a little in front of you. I've got to be honest there, with so you. You tell me. Yeah, I know the numbers. You get caught up on numbers. Remember when you were like a kid and like 30 seemed old? You know, now I'm looking uh, around and I'm looking at 75, 80-year-old people and I'm going, you know what? That's not that old. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm going to be closer to 70 than I am 30, for God's sakes. Yeah. Right? I mean, dude, I, I literally got a phone call from my PD the other day asking me if I had any interest in endorsing AARP. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> so when that call comes and you realize you're 50 years old, yeah, you're damn right you feel old. All right. Softy, I appreciate you, man. I think this will all be over in about, you know, the next few hours, maybe by tomorrow. And we can all yeah. uh, get on to other things like football. Well, thank God, because I, I really don't want to develop a Stockholm Syndrome type of thing with this deal where I kind of fall in love with this story and be sad when it goes away. So let's, uh, let's get this thing over with ASAP so we can all move on with the rest of our horrible lives. Amen, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for joining. See you, bud. All, all right. right. There's Softy. You got his take. I want yours as well. You tell me. Do you want Oregon and Washington in the Big Ten Conference, or do you want to preserve the Pac-12? 503-417-7575. Weigh in now. Well, you heard from Softy in Seattle. I don't see it the way he sees it. Frankly, uh, I think if you're an Oregon fan, Oregon State fan, you probably have different motivations. If you're a Washington fan, Washington State fan, you have different motivations. But I find it very interesting that the Pac-12 partners of Oregon and Washington will seemingly move in lockstep. If one leaves, both leave to the Big Ten Conference. If one stays, both stays. I am told that Oregon wants to be ideally in the Pac-12 Conference, but wants to know that everybody else is staying, that all nine would stay. This is kind of like the old prisoner's dilemma. It's like gunfighters in a saloon. You know, they're all sitting at a table. They've got their guns drawn under the table, ready to shoot each other in the kneecaps, as I said earlier. And yet uh, they're all saying, can we come to a resolution here? I want to know where you see Oregon and Washington. Would they struggle in the Big Ten? Would they thrive in the Big Ten? Is there a good reason for them to be in the Big Ten? I think there's a chance we're going to get resolution during this radio show. Um, I asked the Pac-12 if... The meeting tonight at 6 o'clock with Arizona, the Board of Regents there, if that meeting takes place, would they expect that meeting to go down with Arizona indicating and voting on, hey, we're going to have these two schools go? Or would they expect that, um, you know, how would it work if the Pac-12 did find an agreement today and want to sign a grant of rights? And I was told that there would be a meeting that would take place, and of course, then they would uh, meet then, and they would agree a meeting uh, to have a meeting, of course. But uh, I wonder if the Pac-12 board would meet between now and 6 o'clock. Keep an eye on that. Sean's in Vancouver. Wants to talk about the Pac-12. Sean, what's up, man? Hey, John. I, I saw you on uh, Dan Patrick's this morning. It was good to see a member of the Bald Brotherhood so proudly representing us. Thank you. Um, so the... You know, the whole thing with Arizona, if you're going to break up with your partner and it's not the right time or place, when they say, is everything okay, do you tell them, no, everything's not okay, I'm leaving you? Or do you say, <laughs> yeah, it's great right now. We're going to, 
know, we'll talk later. Don't worry about it. You know, it's and that's what it feels like Arizona's Board of Regents is doing. They've said, hey, tell them everything's okay while we figure all this out over here. Mm -hmm. Even though the writing is on the wall, the relationship's over. You both know that this is done for. Everything's okay right now because it's not the right time or place to break up. Yeah, but why why then hold the – I'm with you, and I was with you last night, but why then hold the meeting at 6 o'clock? I found it interesting. That kind of jumped out at me as I thought about it more. Why, if you were going to leave, would you hold? Would you schedule the meeting for 6 o'clock? Now, law in the state of Arizona says that you have to have 24 hours notice, but they could have scheduled that meeting earlier in the day. Could have scheduled at 5, at 4. They could have, And then Washington has its board, its trustees, scheduled for an 8 p.m. meeting. Now, I... I have only my hunch to go on here, but I think that meeting was scheduled at 6 o'clock and then subsequently at 8 o'clock because I think those entities wanted to leave themselves some time today to uh, figure out some 11th hour stuff, possibly to look each other in the eye and say, hey, are you in? If you're in, I'm in. I did have a source tell me that Oregon wants to be in, but there was a little bit of apprehension and they would only be in if the Arizona schools were staying. Now, there's some potential hiccups with the Arizona schools because the Big 12 currently only has one opportunity to uh, to uh, leave, you know, uh, to take one school under their grant of rights and, uh, and have one pro rata school added under the current TV deal with Fox and ESPN. They would have to get additional approval to take two schools. So there is some thinking that there may be a pause on the Arizona side because both Arizona and Arizona State can't go together. And the Board of Regents in the state of Arizona most likely want those schools together. I don't know. I'm just supposing. But I guess, you know, this is kind of, you know, I don't blame the caller for you know, saying, hey, you know, just draw a metaphor here. Because I think sometimes when we're left with topics like this, it's very easy to see it whichever way you want to see it. It's kind of like watching a boxing match. You ever watch a boxing match? You kind of tend to focus on your fighter hitting the other guy, and you don't see the other guy hitting your fighter, whoever you're rooting for. You know, your guy's winning the fight because you're watching your guy throw punches instead of watching your guy receive punches. I think the perspective on a lot of this sometimes is skewed by who you want it uh, and what you want from the outcome. Um, For me, I think ideally the Pac-12 conference stays together. I think Oregon uh, dominates along with Washington and Utah. I think those three schools get regular access to the CFP. The question is, is there enough money in this for the Arizona schools to say, okay, we're we're good, we're going to stay here. Let's go to Jake, who's in Portland. Jake, welcome to the conversation. Hey, what's going on, John? Love the show. Thanks for what you do. You bet. Um, I just don't see how they can't take the deal with the Big Ten because you got to take it. I mean, you, you can't live by principle and tradition and try and stay in the Pac-12 and just get passed up because mm. someone else is going to take it. They're going to go after someone else. Um, and, and with, like, George Klyovkov's comments about waiting longer and trying to get a better deal, I mean, I kind of get it, but where ESPN doesn't want to get outboxed by Fox, 
and uh, get some West Coast, but they don't have any money right now. They're cutting people, so yeah. I don't know how it's going to play out. I think everybody wants the Pac-12 to stay together, but I just can't see it happening. Yeah, I think it, one thing you said confused me a little bit because you said, you know, Oregon's going to – like where where I see Oregon and what I hear Oregon telling me is that they don't care as much about being in the Big Ten as they care about being in the playoff. They like access right. to the playoff. You go to the Big Ten – I don't know if Oregon could ever get to the playoff with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC. That's a lot of uh, brush to clear with uh, your machete. Like, if you're in the Pac-12, you have an a- you have ample access. So I I kind of wonder, Jake, if if money were the factor, yeah, you go, you take. But again, we don't know what the number is. Like, we don't know if the Big Ten's saying, hey, you can come, but you only get thirty million. Everybody else gets sixty-eight million. Like, we don't know. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it's not like Oregon's hurting for money, but I feel like, you know, they could just be saying one thing as far as, oh, we want to be in the Pac-12, but with the landing contract and some of the things they've said, like, oh, there's big things coming, you know, stay tuned. I'm kind of getting an inkling they're going to go. We will see. I think it will come down to whether or not Oregon believes the Arizona schools are going to stay. But I was told that Oregon is the glue earlier today. I believe the source when they said that. Um, let's go to Gary, who's in Tualatin. Gary, welcome back. Hey, John. Go Ducks. Go Big Ten. Can you imagine a season uh, at Autzen with Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Washington, USC coming to Autzen? Come on. Either you want to play the big leagues or you want to play the minor leagues. The deal is done. The deal that's on the table looks like crap. This one, you, 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 you haven't the seen the deal. You, haven't, the uh, you had me until you said the deal looks like crap. You haven't seen the deal. Uh, well, Arizona has and uh, Colorado has. If you can get to the Big Ten, go to the Big Ten. Because that is a guarantee. If you win that one, you're in. Yeah. And Colorado, not, Colorado, left before, been, Colorado left before the deal was presented. Like, come on. I, if you if your argument is you want to be in the Big Ten because you want to play the best and you think the Big Ten's the best, then I'll buy that. But when you follow it with the deal's crap, we don't we haven't seen the deal. I've asked a lot of questions about the deal. Here's what I was told about the media rights deal. I believe that the deal in the first year is going to require a leap of faith by the members. I had that expressed to me over and over by different schools who said, hey. It's mid to low 20s, 20 million per school, but with some upside, there's some risk there. If the subscriptions aren't sold, if they come in low, then, you know, you get less than your peers. But there were some guarantees in years three and four of the deal that surpassed the Big 12 Conference, surpassed the ACC, and got them about halfway to the SEC. Now, there's more money in the Pac-12 than the Big 12 at that point if you can get to year three and four. The question is, you know, particularly for a school like Arizona State that has more sports than any other school in the conference. They offer hockey. They offer gymnastics. They offer, you know, they do it all at Arizona State. They have 650 athletes. For a school like Arizona State, can they take less in years one and two and get to years three and four okay? Are they willing to take that leap? And that's a question, but that's not the Oregon question. I, I agree with Gary, like, hey, you want to play the best, you want to bring great schools to your to your home stadium, that's fine. 
but are, but I don't know if look if I'm being real with you, I don't know if Oregon, Washington, or Utah, if you put any of them in the Big Ten conference on a consistent basis, I don't know if any of them can finish in the top two. I, you know, a good season might not you know might be a nine win season, and and be in third or fourth in the Big Ten conference. You've got Utah, two time winner of the Pac-12, goes to the Rose Bowl. They don't even play the, the Big Ten champion when they get there, and they lose. So it's a different ball game in the Big Ten, and I'm not saying that you don't want to stick your nose in there against the best, but I'm wondering if the place to stick your nose in there is the playoff, where you don't have to play a eight- or nine-game conference schedule against the rigorous Michigan-Ohio State, um, Penn State, Wisconsin, USC field. you got to get by all of those and finish in the top two. I think Oregon and Washington and Utah could create Gonzaga-like situations in the Pac-12. But you tell me, like, is, are you going to be okay with Oregon and Autzen Stadium playing Arizona, Oregon State, Washington State in conference play versus, you know, getting USC, getting UCLA, Getting Washington, those three games, certainly because of travel, would be among your games, the home-and-home games that you would play in conference play. They'll put you in the same pod. You're not going to get Ohio State, Penn State every year. You're certainly not going to get Michigan, Ohio State to come out and play games later in the year. They're not going to do that. They don't do that. But you might get a you might get a one-off. One season, you might get a Penn State at home. You might get an Ohio State at home. But guess what? They got Ohio State scheduled anyway for Autzen Stadium. They're coming back. So I don't know. I don't know. Stephen, what would you do? Because I, I, I get it. I get that fans want to see the great matchups, but I'm kind of looking at the landscape going, would you rather be Gonzaga or would you rather be in a brutal conference and go, hey, you know what, uh, might have a good team and win eight games? Yeah, I feel like if I was a Duck fan, I would want the Pac-12 to stay together because the ultimate goal for me is to win a championship, and I think that's the best path forward. Not saying you – know, I slightly disagree with you on this. I think if Oregon did go to the Big Ten – I think the recruiting could even tick up a little more. Like, I do think that they could take that next elevated step. I don't think they'll ever get to the Ohio State level. I don't think they'll ever get to the Michigan level. But I do think they could be, you know, third in the Big Ten, and they could be competing for titles, but they're not going to be, you know, the favorite like they would be in the Pac-12 year after year. So, for me, I want to win a championship. And getting and being in the Pac-12, having that survive, you're going to be at the top of the conference every single season because that recruiting is way better than everybody else in the conference and right now, if you can keep the other nine teams, it's still a respected enough conference where you can go undefeated or you can lose a game and you're still going to be fine. And like you said, you can schedule non-conference games outside if you want to see these big-time matchups. And Oregon has never been afraid to do that. They've played a lot of big-time teams. They've played Tennessee. They've played Michigan. They've played Michigan State. You know, they, they will schedule these type of matchups. And I think if the Pac-12 stays together, Oregon will continue to do that because they want to be a national brand. So... I think right now for Oregon, you want to win a championship. Phil Knight wants to win a championship. The best option is to stay in the Pac-12. To go to the Big Ten and have to compete with all those teams, that's going to be a brutal stretch. And when you end the season with three or four losses in a season, you have no chance. You have no shot to go into the college football playoff. And that wouldn't even be a bad season. You could have some really big wins, and you could be 8-3. and three, Or, I mean, 9-3. and three. Eight and four, and have some big yeah. wins, but you just lose a couple games, and you know, run under that gauntlet. It's going to be tough to get to the playoff. The only caveat I have is I need to know that 
this conference is staying together. If I'm Oregon and Washington, I don't want to be left behind while Arizona, Arizona State, and you know potentially Utah take off. But don't you think in, that Oregon yeah. holds all the cards to that? If Oregon, hundred percent do. If I Oregon wants, that. we've been yeah. talking about that last week. Is if Oregon wants to stay in the Pac-12 and they want the Pac-12 to survive, they can stay. And everything will be fine around them. As long as the Pac-12 has Oregon and Washington, I think that they're a viable conference. As soon as they decide to leave, then that's when it crumbles. I want to play this clip from Rob Mullins. I'm going to play it kind of cold from Pac-12 Media Day where, you know, he spoke at length about what's important to him. Uh, We appreciate the alliances and the partnerships that we have. Uh, with all the West Coast and Mountain schools, and it's extremely important to us. So we've been working really hard uh, to make sure that we can get to a deal that allows us to remain competitive and remain competitive in a changing landscape because we're allowed to do a lot more now, and those resources do matter. That media deal does matter, not only from the direct revenue from the media, but the exposure. Um, and so and, and, you know, we're very proud that we can drive a lot of that. When you look at the metrics, particularly over the last 10, 12 years, uh, of the ratings, of the interest, of the social media following. Um, so uh, we, we've been working hard uh, to make sure that we're good partners and doing everything that we can to get that deal across the finish line. I, I keep saying what matters to Oregon is getting access to the playoff. But don't let me speak for you. Is that oversimplification? Uh, no, no. I mean, that's extremely important. Again, as we talked about when yeah. the playoffs started, you know, that, that, I mean, that's, it's become the focus of college football. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of unintended consequences in that. But, I mean, that is a huge piece. Um, and when you have the investment that we have in the sport, uh, then absolutely uh, that is a big piece of it. And, uh, maintaining some of these traditional rivalries, playing games where your fans can can get to, uh, is important as well. Rob Mullins. All right, there he is. Playing games where your fans can get to, maintaining rivalries. Does that sound like a guy who wants to leave for the Big Ten? Doesn't to me. But I want to hear from you. What do you want? 503-417-7575. The home of the truth. Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. People in the Pac-12 wondering what's going on. I want to know what you think. 503-417-7575. There's other things going on in sports. Steven, uh, anything new on the Damian Lillard front? I don't want to miss anything there. Uh, nothing concrete new, but it seems like uh, the Blazers are standing pat that they want to get the most back for Damian Lillard, which is what you and me have been saying during the season. The Blazers should you know, explore a trade of Damian Lillard and get the most back for him. Seems like Joe Cronin really is standing by that and the Heat – they uh they need if they want day before the season they're gonna have to come up with a new package but it seems like you know I, I when I when this broke down I kind of broke it into four quarters right like it's an actual game I feel like we're at halftime now and mm. uh, Pat Riley won the quarter one Joe Cronin won quarter two so it's about tied right now and uh, now it's coming down in the second half so I think it's gonna we still got a while to go in this trade drama but nothing new uh, to really concrete report I saw a Miami Heat fan tweet at a Blazer fan again it's Twitter it's social media grain of salt. Tweet at them, all you care about is getting value for Damian Lillard. You don't care about rooting for him to win a championship. That's true. That is true. I, it, that, if Dame doesn't want to be on the Blazers, I want to get as much value back. That is a great great, great <laughs> point by the Miami Heat fan there. I agree with him. I just sometimes don't understand people. Like sometimes I go, I don't get you. 
Uh, I want to go to the phone lines, 503-417-7575. Let's go to Michael, who's in Eugene, listening on Fox Sports Eugene. Go ahead, Michael. John, I've scheduled the Hertz and uh, a service for the conference I love and have been worshiping since I enrolled as a freshman at the U of O. But as I eulogize the pack, and I assure you it is done, the Big Ten would not have acknowledged anything unless they were sure Oregon and Washington have already said yes. And I know that people that you are well-sourced, but I will bet everything I have we're in the Big Ten by this time next week. I wouldn't do that. Here's the thing. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, well. I wouldn't well, bet everything you have. Yeah. Even if you are sure, you shouldn't bet everything you have. I know. Well, it's imp- I'm emotional, and I feel bad for Oregon State and Wazoo, and it's a bummer, but Oregon did not create this mess. We very much tried to be a team player and help fix it. The presidents and then Tweedledum, Larry Scott, and Tweedledee, George K., and look, I know there's upside in the subscription deal. They are not going to do that. They will take a half measure. Nike will backfill. When they redo the deal in four or five years, we will have a full seat at the table. How, how competitive do you think Oregon can be in the Big Ten? I think they will have four bids in the playoff, and we will be one of those most years, would be my guess. Um, just based on the last 10 years, I mean – if they have a Pacific division, it's going to be us and USC and Washington. And I think that uh, Lincoln Riley will be coaching in the NFL within so five last years. Year, last, year, it, last year, Oregon would have been third in that Pacific division. Ten, ten wins. I hear season. you, but they won it I'm just three saying, years I, in a row before. Yeah. If you look over the last 15 years, it's Oregon – I know you're a Utah guy lately. It's not even close. We have dominated. They invested in Dan Lanning. We have the facilities. I like I don't Lanning. Like this. I like Lanning. We belong with the big boys. I like Lanning. I wonder what he thinks about this. If you're Dan Lanning, would you rather compete in the western part of the United States with a huge advantage over your peers? Because you don't care as much about the media rights money. Uh, you know, you care about recruiting. You care a little bit about exposure for the recruiting element of it. Dan Lanning, what does he think about this, I would wonder? Would he want to stick his nose into the uh, – like, I know Mario Cristobal would be like, I like to play Alabama. Bring on the best. Got to play the best to be the best. Um, but I kind of wonder if Dan Lanning is a uh, more of a, you know, put me in the playoff, and then I'll find out who the best is. I don't know. Let's go to Corvallis. Mark is in Corvallis. Welcome. Hey, um, I got two questions for you here. One is, what do you think uh, the chances are, if any, that the legislature in Oregon steps in and says, no, if you're going to take one of the schools, you got to take both of them, as I've heard postulated some places. And secondly, if uh, Oregon State is left out of the rapture, so to speak, uh, do you think that... uh, Mountain West is their most likely path, or do you think they'd try to cobble something together with Washington State and whoever else is left over? Thanks. I would, yeah, it's interesting. Last night, um, 
late last night I reached out to Mountain West Conference president just to say, like, hey, what do you think happens? Because last night, that's kind of where my head was. I was kind of thinking Arizona, Arizona State, they're leaving. This conference is uh, Oregon and Washington, maybe even Stanford and Cal going to the Big Ten. Today it just appears that it's two schools, not four, that ha- would have possible invitations. And um, uh, the Mountain West Conference president last night told me that they, they did not believe a merger of the two conference ma- conferences made sense, that it would be more likely that um, it would just be one of the conferences taking members from the other, given that the Mountain West Conference has a buyout of $34 million because of the grant of rights, um, I would I would think that there's a potential there for the Mountain West to be taking Pac-12 teams on, and then maybe the Mountain West buys the name? I don't know. I don't know. It, which brand is better at this point? You tell me. Mountain West Conference, Pac- Pac-12 Conference, if it comes to that. It might just be that the Mountain West goes, we're cool. You know, we'll take... You know, I, I would think that the Mountain West Conference would be interested in certainly Stanford and Cal if they are left over, certainly Oregon State, Washington State. But to the caller's point, if, let's just say, total chaos happens tonight, 6 o'clock, the Oregon Board of Regents decides they're taking all these schools away, they're going away, the two Arizona schools, Utah goes somewhere else, let's just hypothetically, or let's just say Utah's left behind, um, I don't know if Utah and the Bay Area schools, Oregon State, Washington State, I don't know if they could cobble together a media rights deal. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Uh, We'll take more of your phone calls, plus Mark Shipper is coming up. He uh, runs a website called Fifth Down College Quarterback. He's got a little perspective that is really interesting as it pertains to the Pac-12 and its plight. We're going to talk with him, and I want more of your phone calls. Ace and Wes Lynn, Tom and Eugene. Paul, hold on. I'll get to you. You got the bald-faced truth. I want everybody to be heard on today's show. And if we get breaking news, I will reach out to you, and I will tell you as soon as I know. So leave it here. Got so many people that are holding that want to get on the show, talk about what's going on. We are two hours away from the Arizona Board of Regents meeting. Will they announce in their Board of Regents meeting that They're leaving the conference. Arizona, Arizona State. Will one of them announce they're leaving? Will neither announce? Will they never even get there? Will the Pac-12 come out in the next two hours and say, hey, we've got a deal? And what about 8 o'clock tonight? University of Washington set to meet their trustees at 8 o'clock. I think it's very intentional how they've lined this up. I want your phone calls so Matt and Tom and Ace and Paul and Mike... All hang on. I'll get to you here. But I want you to know this this is not the first time a major sports conference in the Pacific time zone has been under fire. I would call it an amber alert at this point. The Pacific Coast Conference, you remember it? Cal, Oregon, USC, UCLA, Montana, Idaho, Oregon State, Washington, Stanford, Washington State. You remember this? That conference? Here to talk about that conference and what we can learn from it, Mark Shipper, who runs a website called Fifth Down College Football. He goes on the road. He tells stories. He uncovers some of the history. He's joining us here. Mark, uh, how are you, man? 
What's up, John? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? It's, it's wild doing, times in the yeah. West again. I'm ready to get a good night's sleep again, but uh, this really isn't about <laughs> me. But, yes, that's what I'm ready for. But uh, did I set that up nicely? Like, this isn't the first time this has happened, or this isn't the first time a conference has been under fire? Yeah, you definitely did. From 1956 to 1959, the PCC, the Pacific Coast Conference, which is the direct forerunner of the Pac-12 we have today, they all claim the same records, um, went up in flames. It disintegrated, it broke down, it ceased operation, and it rebuilt as the thing we know today. The Is there anything we can learn from that time or anything that jumps out from you is that from that era that has a parallel to what we're seeing today with George Klyovkov and media rights and Larry Scott's tenure, you know, did something, was there a precursor to the PCC's downfall that, that you can say, oh yeah, this is, this is history repeating? Yeah, there, there definitely is. There are a whole bunch of things, but let's just start with, with the league commissioner and the way they had him operate the conference. It was an extremely strict, uh, conference for scholarships an extremely strict conference for work pay it essentially was an intensely amateur conference and the problem with that is that they were also playing big time football so the the pcc ceo group of the time they didn't call it that essentially hamstrung their own league caused them to make less revenue made it more difficult to recruit talked about things like dropping out of the rose bowl banning spring practice the heart of it is they didn't center football. They didn't make football first and second of their athletic departments. And it caused the league with a bunch of schools with different aspirations to crack up based on disagreements. In many ways, it is a slightly different circumstances, but a direct parallel to what's happening today out West. I am watching what is happening today and literally you know, it could be that the Pac-12 is uh, holed up now trying to get the votes, trying to get the grant of rights signed. Was there that kind of, uh, you know, was there that kind of angst at the, that time in the late 1950s as the PCC was facing extinction? Yeah, a- absolutely there was, and there's one major difference. So so the similar thing is the the major football powers in Los Angeles, the at that time football powers in the Bay Area and the University of Washington out of Seattle. That, that's another interesting thing about the West Coast is its power centers historically have been in urban areas. That's not normal in college football. In college football, these are generally college towns and rural areas. So that's an interesting thing about about the scheme out West. But what they had was different ceilings that they saw for each other. The football powers saw the big stage, major college football, while schools like Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, and at that time Idaho, saw a much lower ceiling and wanted to bring the big powers down to their level. Now the major difference today is Oregon, what nobody could have forecasted back then, has become a football power out of the rural north and has become a major disruptor in this process. We're talking to Mark Shipper, who is a historian and reporter. Fifth Down College Football is his website. We've had him on the show before. Um, you know, I'm I'm you know I'm a big believer that we got it. We should study our history. Um, I don't know that a lot of the fans across the footprint are aware of this kind of stuff. They should read what you have on your website. But you had, you know, before television, back when stadium gate receipts were were critical at the time. Who who was the powerhouse? Who was the tentpole of that conference at that time? 
Oh, it was uh, UCLA, USC, and the University of Washington. And then the Bay Area schools, Stanford and Cal, cared a lot more about that time. And they had 70,000-seat stadiums and drew a lot more fans, played in Rose Bowls. And um, they, they had their issues with the big-time game for certain. But the conference was anchored in Los Angeles, USC, UCLA. So when you're hearing a lot of this angst out of the Los Angeles schools, particularly USC, for the University of Oregon, this goes back to that era when Oregon hmm. attempted to hamstring Los Angeles, whereas now Oregon can recruit Los Angeles and Northern California is wide open because Stanford and Cal have dropped out. So, you know, those are the dynamics we're looking at today. It's funny that you could go back that far and trace kind of the Oregon, USC, UCLA dynamic to going back that far. I think that's really interesting, Mark. And as you look at this, too, you know, I, I think we're all kind of eager to have this be over. But did the conference come out of that PCC era and the breakdown of the PCC in a better place? What was the bridge to uh, today, and, and how did we get to where the Pac-12 is? Yeah, eventually it came out a lot better, and it turned into the the crown jewel of the West, the powerhouse league that was Big Ten, uh, Pac-8, Pac-10, Pac-12, and SEC. Those are the three kingpin leagues. So, But it took time, John. In 1959, when the league reformed, they first called themselves the Athletic Association of Western Universities. That became the PAC Conference. They did not allow Oregon in. It was a five-team league. It was USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, and Washington. Wazoo, Oregon State, and Oregon were left out. So that, that may sound familiar. They made Oregon wait five years before they let them come back in the league, and it was all punishment for the way Oregon had acted during the scandal. They had a law dean named Orlando Hollis. He referred to Los Angeles as a cesspool. He led the charge against L.A., and he helped bring down the worst penalties in PCC and really NCAA history at that time on the L.A. schools and the Bay schools, so Cal only, not Stanford. So Oregon was in the doghouse for a long time, and that, that, those feelings, while they're not as intense and they're for different reasons today, carry through right, right to our time. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of look at the parallels of that and see the history kind of come full circle. Uh, Mark Shipper with us, fifthdowncollegefootball.com if you want to check him out. Um, look, I know that you get into history. I know that, you know, you travel around, you find great stories. Give me an idea of why a story like this appeals to you. Why write about this? Well, it, it appeals to me because it's like that shock of recognition when you go back and look at this and you say, you know, there, there's, a, there's a kind of almost blinding obsession with the new and the current. And the fact is everything that's happening now is foundationed in the past. And so it's very enlightening to go back and read this and watch what the, the different generations saw and went through and how we either learned some of those lessons and didn't. As I watched this amazing football conference and athletic conference out west break apart and think, how could this possibly happen? I go back to the middle of the 20th century and watch it happen for the first time and see these dynamics, these relationships, these population centers. My whole contention is college football in particular is deeply tied to American history and culture, to regionalism, to the land, to the people. And all this stuff, it, it's still in play today. So new technology, different landscape, but it's all kind of as it's always been. There was kind of a scandal back then too, right? There was a slush fund in Seattle. There was, uh, you know, somebody had said, 
you know, who coaches that team, uh, Al Capone. There was, you know, a lot of that. Uh, in 1937 Rose Bowl, uh, Washington was playing Pitt. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, there was a major a major scandal. That's what caused the, the conference to crack up. And the fascinating thing, the reason the guy I mentioned earlier, Orlando Hollis from Oregon, one of the reasons Oregon was so set on punishing the big schools in the urban centers was that scandal had started at Oregon in 1951. Their coach, Fred Aiken, caught paying, paying to recruit, paying players on his team, and he famously said, listen, I can either cheat and hope I don't get caught or not cheat and lose all these games and get fired because every other team in this league is doing the same thing. So Fred Aiken was pushed out. Oregon was upset about it. Five years later, cut to 56. Mm-hmm. The scandal starts at Washington. It quickly spreads to Los Angeles. USC, UCLA have major booster funds going. And Oregon gets their chance at vengeance at, at the big schools in the South. So that's, uh, it, it, was, it was a national scandal, by the way, because the, the PCC, like the Pac-12 today, was very intent on academics amateurism, non-commercialism. We do things the right way on the West Coast. And then it turned out they had these massive slush funds going for players, which they did because they couldn't give out athletic scholarships. So you had all the hypocrisy of college sports, all the bizarre, all the bizarre decisions being made by schools that shouldn't have been made. And, yeah, it, it was a major, major scandal. I love your website. Uh, for people who want to check it out, fifthdowncollegefootball.com. Mark Shipper, our guest. Uh, before I cut you loose, uh, you, you have a story on there. It's off subject, but it's Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway, did he yeah. write about did he write about Notre Dame and USC as a rivalry? Yeah, he did very very early on. Uh, he had a he had a story called The Gambler, The Nun, and The Radio, and uh, it's about uh, a writer who was injured out in Wyoming, and he has an extended stay in a Catholic hospital, and the sort of mother superior there loves Notre Dame football and he listens and, and he, so he, he gets radio broadcasts from the coast in the evenings and he ends up listening to the 1930 USC Notre Dame game. Now, famously that ended up being Newt Rockney's final game. He ever coached. They smoked USC in the Coliseum. They won the national title seven months later, Rockney dies in a plane crash, but Hemingway used Notre Dame USC in this story. And um, it, it's really, it's really just, it's a wonderful illustration of how prominent college football has been in our culture and country for a long time. Appreciate you, Mark Shipper, college football expert and historian. Thank you for joining us. Good stuff, good history to see how, you know, all of this, uh, you got to learn from it, you know, as, as they say, and uh, otherwise you're doomed to repeat it. Sometimes you repeat it anyway. Uh, I want to go to the phone lines. We've been talking all about Oregon and Washington possibly to the Big Ten Conference. Again, uh, it looks to me today as though there is a path for the Pac-12 Conference to to piece itself together. It's a narrow path, but it's a path. Uh, I also think, and I understand, some people out there that want to see Oregon playing in the Big Ten and Washington playing in the Big Ten. Uh, Rob Mullen's comment earlier, um, I had a couple of people tweet at me and message me and say, well, wait a minute, he mentions exposure in the... uh, in the uh, comment, I wonder if he's talking about exposure with his regular TV deal or exposure via the college football playoff. I'll replay the comment in just a second. We can unpack it. But let's go to the phone lines. Paul's in West Lynn, Oregon. Paul, welcome to the conversation. Oh, thank you. Um, obviously, money is the big player here, but I'm just curious how this realignment benefits the quote-unquote student-athlete. 
yeah, you right. know, flying two or three time zones away. What about friends and family? I mean, here you can drive to Eugene, Corvallis, Pullman, Seattle in a day, no problem. It makes it very difficult for the family to visit. And I find the whole thing that it, it just yeah. feels like tearing apart the fabric of society. I know it's a little hyperbolic, but no, kind I'm of with you. similar to Damian Lillard, uh, you know, it's kind of all about me now. Forget about the big picture. Um, I got to get mine. And I, I adore Dame and what he's meant to the city, but there's also something to be said for tradition, loyalty, um, like like the Pac-10 uh, or Pac-12 or whatever it's called right. now. Right you know, on. These schools are together for a reason because they're, they're natural geographic rivalries. Um, and, and to think that we'd have to be flying to Happy Valley, Pennsylvania, or that direct flight on United that goes from PDX to Ann Arbor, I kid. I mean, it just makes it very difficult for people to get to these uh, towns. Thank yeah, you. I, I don't think people realize, you know, I cover the Big Ten Conference. I don't think people realize how far away some of these trips are. And it's it was hard. As a media member, it was hard. It was tough for me to get some places. And you, it took you extra days of travel and staying an extra night and layovers. And it was it's it's a haul. And I'll be honest with you, like, I have a friend, BK, who's a big Penn State fan and loves Penn State. His daughter goes to Penn State. I messaged with him today kind of about, you know, the idea of Oregon playing in the Big Ten Conference and how difficult it is not to just beat Ohio State on a one-off game in September, but to beat Ohio State, beat Michigan, play against Wisconsin. It's a grind. And then you run into programs like Purdue, who are very good. Minnesota can be good at times. You know, obviously Penn State, you know. And, you know, BK said this is the first time he's a Penn State fan, right? This is the first time he thinks Penn State might have a shot at beating one of those schools. One of them. Like, he's talking about Michigan and Ohio State, not both of them. Hey, can we beat one of them this year? That's kind of the mindset of a Penn State, which, by the way, Knocked out Utah, the Pac-12 champion last year in the Rose Bowl. Tom's in Eugene listening on Fox Sports Eugene. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, well, it all comes down to, for me, is really the uh, the future and access to the playoff. Well, what do we have that through, 26, 27, I think? I don't remember off the top of my head. And what's to keep that in, uh, you know, going on beyond that? They can always change that back. You know, if you're having access to the playoff, I mean, what's to say they decide, you know, this isn't working, they cut it back to six or back to four? Yeah, they could. They could. The money's going to be there, though, Tom. And here's how it works. I reached out to Greg Sankey today, the SEC commissioner. I reached out to him bright and early this morning. I said, help me out with something. I said, you know, for playoff access to the expanded playoff. Because I was Googling this, and I really couldn't find it. Like, can they roll it back? Can they change the access? Can they change the rules? As it stands, this is what it means when you talk about getting to the playoff. It's it's the top six conference champions, top six ranked conference champions who get automatic bids. Pac-12, if it had one of the top six ranked conference champions among all conferences, would get an automatic berth. That's, that's how those con- automatic qualifiers work. So I'm not concerned about the Pac-12 in any form losing – its ability for its conference champion to get access to the playoff. Um, and I do think what's going to happen, you know, this playoff's going to expand. 
2024, 2025, new TV deal comes in, it's going to be a windfall. There's going to be so much money for the conferences that get here, get to the playoff. I understand why Ohio State's going, hell, we'll take 16, we'll take 18, we'll take 20. Because they're going, hey, if we can knock out the Pac-12, that's one or two more berths that's out there for us to get. Never mind that it might not be Oregon or Washington getting the berths. It might be their other members. Let's go to the phones. Ace is called in. Go ahead, Ace. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I caught part of what your conversation with Softy, and I'm very familiar with Softy. He is 98% emotion and 2% logic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as you know, he's a huge homer. But uh, it, it, so I, I just want to say I appreciate your your angle on this because Softy is, you know, he just he just goes he just goes all in on things and. And I understand uh, he wants he wants to be with the best, play the best, because it means if you're in the room with the best, you must be the best. But well, I uh, I seen Indiana in that room, I've seen Purdue in that room. I covered those programs; they couldn't beat anybody. See, that's the voice of reason right there. That's that's your new name, the voice of reason. Because to me, that that makes it because the sexy choice is not always the right choice. I mean, it, it right now I'm sure to Softy that is really sexy getting some you know getting some big time games but the, the reality is the smart choice is to have better access to the playoffs i mean that's that that is really the the rational decision i think i appreciate the phone call it's the decision it's the question that gonzaga faces and gonzaga's facing that right now gonzaga has a pretty good tv deal in the wcc they don't make the same media rights money as you know, ACC members or Big 12 members, certainly not even Pac-12 members. But they have a pretty good deal for where they are. And Gonzaga goes out and dominates the WCC. And there's some good teams in the WCC. You get a St. Mary's. You get a you get a San Diego. You know, you, you get every once in a while you get a program that, that will rise up and, and challenge them. Uh, BYU did for a little bit. But um, but by and large, it's Gonzaga's not getting the test within conference play that some others are getting. And that's why Mark Few and Gonzaga go out and they play some non-conference games that are really tough. And they and they, they hunt down North Carolina or Duke or Arizona or UCLA. They, you know, obviously they try not to play Oregon for some reason. I don't know why. Probably the geography and recruiting. But there's some uh, there's some hunting down of opportunities that Gonzaga does in non-conference play, and I respect that. Is, but, I got yeah, a question for you real quick about Oregon, though, about the Ducks. Go back to them. Is there a chance that you're undervaluing the recruiting and the talent that they have at Oregon? I mean, they are 9-0 and against the Big Ten and L.A. schools since 2017. Like, I know that you're saying it's going to be a lot tougher, but could they have a chance if they go to the Big Ten even elevate themselves to be on that top level with the elite teams? They could, but I think it's different to play Ohio State in September than it is to play Ohio State after you've played Penn State at State College. I think that it. I've seen the grind of it. I've lived the grind of it. It's it's hard, and I think good teams lose those games. Even though you know, you, if it were a one-off game that Mario Cristobal and his crew had circled on the calendar two years earlier, it's a different element than going and having to play Ohio State this week, and then at Minnesota, then you get Michigan, then you know you're at Purdue, and all of a sudden, you know you're not even a ten-win team anymore. I, I'm not. You know, it may be that Oregon plays very well in that circumstance. But I kind of think playing in the Pac-12, Oregon would have a lot more success. I just think Oregon's with Oregon, Washington, Utah. I think if you tell me, hey, you want to compete against Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, um, Wisconsin, 
Purdue, USC, or do you want to compete against Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, you know, Washington, Utah? Um, and you got to finish second, yeah, you know, or better to to get there. I I think most people would go, oh, I'll take that second lane. That second pool is better. You know, you don't see the women's national team in pool play going. You know what? We want to play the best in pool play. No, we'll see you. We'll see you in the championship bracket. It it is fascinating because a lot of Duck fans think that Oregon is on that level, right? And I'm with you. I don't know what they do if they go and they go to the Big Ten. And they have to face these teams year after year, week after week. How they how they last? Like I don't. I don't. I'm with you. I think that they would have a couple losses every single season. They wouldn't necessarily make that jump to the elite level. Yeah. It, w- it would be fast. It would be a fascinating study case to see if Oregon did that because you know there'd be even more money coming in. The recruiting probably gets bumped up a little bit more. Like maybe they did turn into you know a national yeah. champion team, but I I don't know. I'm with you. I'm kind of I, I find it hard to believe. I think there's a big gap between what the SEC and the Big Ten are doing and what everybody else is doing right now. And so if I need to play those best teams, I don't want to play them week in and week out. I want to meet them in a bracket where I have a puncher's chance. I want phone calls, though. You're college football fans. You're watching this. You're Oregon fans. You're Washington fans. 503-417-7575. Sam and Roy are going to lead us off. I got lines open. Join the conversation. You and I have talked um, off air about uh, realignment expansion, the media rights deal. Just want to get Oregon's viewpoint. You know, you've got a new president. Yes. But what's Oregon's motivation as it pertains to membership in the Pac-12? Well, obviously the Pac-12 has been Pac-10, Pac-8, Pacific Coast Conference. Pac-12 has been um, great for the University of Oregon. Uh, we appreciate the alliances and the partnerships that we have uh, with all the West Coast and Mountain schools, and it's extremely important to us. So we've been working really hard uh, to make sure that we can get to a deal that allows us to remain competitive and remain competitive in a changing landscape because we're allowed to do a lot more now, and those resources do matter. That media deal does matter, not only from the direct revenue from the media, but the exposure. Um, and so and, and, you know, we're very proud that we can drive a lot of that. When you look at the metrics, particularly over the last 10, 12 years, uh, of the ratings, of the interest, of the social media following, um, so uh, we, we've been working hard uh, to make sure that we're good partners and doing everything that we can to get that deal across the finish line. I, I keep saying what matters to Oregon is getting access to the playoff. But don't let me speak for you. Is that oversimplification? Uh, no, no. I mean, that's extremely important. Again, as we talked about when yeah. the playoff started, you know, that, that I mean, that's, it's become the focus of college football. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, there's a lot of unintended consequences in that. But, I mean, that is a huge piece. Um, and when you have the investment that we have in the sport, uh, then absolutely uh, that is a big piece of it. And, uh, maintaining some of these traditional rivalries, playing games where your fans can, can get to, uh, is important as well. Rob Mullins, University of Oregon Athletic Director. I just think that frames the conversation that we're having. Anna's in the studio. Uh, you hear anything jump out at you before I go back to the phone lines there? When Rob Mullins talking. <laughs> um, I mean, it's clear what's important to Oregon at least Oregon football and Oregon athletics. And that was as of, that wasn't like a year ago. That was last, uh, eight, <laughs> ten days ago. Yeah. So yeah. feels like a year ago. I thought a couple but things. It, that was not long ago that he was saying that. He said a couple things there. One, he says, yes, access to the playoff is, is it's a tentpole. Secondary thing he says is, 
playing games where his fans can get to. Interesting to me. Can you is Rutgers good for you? Is is Maryland good for you? It's not. You, you know, I don't even think like some of the closer Big Ten games are good for people. Like that's still a hike. Well, but then he also mentions exposure, and I don't know if he's talking about, hey, we need our TV deal to be a linear TV deal. We want to be on TV all the time. Or is he talking about, hey, we can get to the playoff. That gives us exposure. That's exposure. Like in Oregon's world, I'm not sure what exposure means because, frankly, Oregon's all over the place. Yeah. They're exposed. Let's go to the phone lines. 503-417-7575. Roy. Roy brings some levity to this conversation. Hey, John, man. I, I You know, I hear a couple things. You know, um, I think you're exactly right, John, because what you're talking about is what Texas and Oklahoma is getting ready to face. <laughs> See, some of these fan bases think they're just going to walk into a conference like Texas and Oklahoma, walk into the SEC and dominate. Ask Nebraska, ask Texas A&M how that worked out for them in the SEC. So if you think you're just going to be an Oregon and walk into a Big Ten and think you're going to dominate, you're going to have another thing coming. Okay, because you know, John, you live that life. Try walking into Mich- Michigan or Iowa. Those Iowa is not a pushover. Neither, neither is Illinois the way Brett Bielema got him playing. I mean, you're not just going to walk into these, uh, even if you were accepted into the Big Ten, you're not going to walk in and, and dominate. Nebraska's been trying to be relevant in the Big Ten since they joined, and they were a powerhouse before they got there. Your best way to get to the playoffs is trying to stay in the Pac-12. Trying to make something out of that. Because I'm telling you, if you try to get into the Big Ten and think you're going to the playoffs, you're not going. Like I said, ask Texas A&M. They thought they was going to come in the, pack, in the SEC and dominate. They have not been doing anything. And another thing, John, how does Kliakoff still have a job? Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, really, how does he still have a job? He is an absolute <laughs> disaster, John. He is. Everybody talks about Larry Scott. This guy is awful. I mean, my goodness, you lost three teams on your watch, went to a different – how does he still have a job? He might not Uh, after – That was so bad that people wouldn't accept This guy is horrible, John. He should be gone. I'm sorry, man. We bring you you in. (laughs) I I love when you call, man. I'm just saying, John, I hire you for a job. You're not getting the job done, man. You're not cutting it. You come with a crap deal. You lose three schools, and people are just taking it. Listen, the only reason that people giving clear call for the, uh, the benefit of the doubt is because Larry Scott was so bad. But this guy is a joke, man. He's an absolute joke. I could do a better job, John, than he's doing. <laughs> I could get you a better deal. I'm telling you right now, hire me. I get you a better TV deal than he's doing. <laughs> I put okay? Roy. I love it, Roy. I put you on my side, man. I, I think that's awesome. Roy in Portland. I'll give it Roy. Roy, here's an example. I'll give you an example of what Roy's talking about. You know, Oregon goes to Ohio State and wins in September, you know, a couple seasons ago under Mario Cristobal. It was a big win for Oregon. I was there. Columbus, Ohio, you know, 90,000-plus fans. It was it was a big victory. But it wasn't the first time I'd been to Ohio State because I covered Purdue and Indiana as a beat reporter and Notre Dame as a beat reporter. So I'd been around the Midwest. And I'll tell you, in 1998, I covered the Purdue Boilermakers. That was my assignment. I was on that beat for a newspaper in Indiana. Joe Tiller was the head coach. They ran the spread offense. They were fun on offense. And guess who played quarterback? Drew Brees. It was a fun 
team to cover because they scored points. They threw the ball around the stadium. They were very good. And they finished fourth in the Big Ten Conference. Behind Michigan, behind Wisconsin, behind Ohio State. They won nine games. It was celebrated as a ridiculously good year. And they went to the Alamo Bowl. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen to Oregon because I think Oregon could be better than a Purdue team in a given year. But that was a really good Purdue team with a you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback that went nine and four. It, you know, nine and four, six and two in the Big Ten. Their losses in the Big Ten, they lost to Wisconsin, they lost to Penn State. Tough. It's the week in, week out grind of it that gets you. Mark in Portland. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, I'm just uh, confused with Roy because yesterday he told us there's no way that Oregon or Washington was going to the Big Ten, and today he's telling us when we go there, we're going to get our ass kicked. So, I mean, <laughs> Oregon, Oregon, last time they went to Michigan, they won. They beat Russell Wilson in the Rose Bowl. Um, you know, it's going to be very competitive if we go there. I'm just waiting for a landing spot, John. We shouldn't be talking about Oregon and Washington. We should be talking about Oregon State and Washington State and what happens to them. Oregon and Washington are going to land somewhere because Oregon is the key to keeping the Pac-12 together or they're the first team to go to the Big Ten that's going to start the domino. So they're at the top of the food chain. Oregon State's at the bottom. I want to know what's going to happen to these teams that they're they're just destroying with this this uh, power control and greed uh, yeah. new way of living in the world. <laughs> yeah. I, I think right now all eyes in about an hour and a half Arizona and Arizona State are going to meet with their board of trustees Anna and this is a big one six o'clock Pacific time the Arizona Board of Regents will meet and um, I think there's some interest uh, obviously in the Pac-12 footprint and you know, hearing whether Arizona and or Arizona State decide they're going to the Big 12, um, I believe that Oregon, in a best-case scenario, is looking at the Arizona schools going, hey, if you stay, we are likely to stay. But I think the Arizona schools are looking over at Oregon going, if we stay, we need to know you're staying. I think that today, a large part of today with those three entities has been spent with them looking at each other going like Larry David, kind of looking them in the eye, getting close, getting a close-up look going, can we trust you? Can we trust each other? It's so bizarre to me that this is what it's come to. Like this is a, a Pac-12 CEO group that has met consistently over the last year and their messaging has been the same which is that we're committed to each other and we're loyal to this conference. So it is so strange to me. It's like the twilight zone to me that it's come to this now where it's like, were they just having these conversations the whole time? Mm -hmm. Is it like, it, or should we have, I guess, seen this coming? Were they just two-faced about it? I just don't. It's so strange to come to this. And maybe I'm the only one that feels that way. Maybe everybody else. No, goes, I think knows? it's weird, and I have no idea really. Like really, like somebody asked me today, what Softy asked me off air. He yeah. said, "What is going to happen?" And I said, uh, "I don't know." <laughs> like you know, I'm not really in their in their heads. I can only go on what they tell me, you know. And I and I do have sources telling me that Oregon has expressed that they would like to be in the Pac-12, but they need everybody to be in the Pac-12. And then I've had sources tell me that. 
my, you know, Robert Robbins, the president of Arizona, and Michael Crow, the president of Arizona State, as of this morning, were saying, you know what, we would like to stay. We're not about blowing up 100 years of history, but we need to know that Oregon and Washington are staying. So (laughs) it's the prisoner's dilemma. (laughs) Do you know the prisoner's dilemma? Have you ever heard of the prisoner's dilemma? I have, but you're about to tell me what that actually is. Do you know what I mean? It's like when... It's it, it's when, okay, you have, basically you have a game theory experiment that involves two prisoners, two rational agents, each of whom can cooperate for a mutual benefit, or they can betray their partner for an individual reward. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, yeah. let's just say, Stephen and Judah, you're the prisoners, okay? <laughs> you guys willing to play along with this? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Stephen and Judah, if you both remain silent, you you each serve one year in prison. Okay? Okay. But, Stephen, if you testify against Judah and Judah remains silent, Stephen, you go free. Judah gets three years in prison. What if... Uh... If you remain <laughs> silent and Judah testifies against you, it's the other way around. So just Steven, whoever, whoever testifies you get three first years, wins. Judah gets to set free. Mm-hmm. And if you testify against each other, you both get two years. Mm. So what is the best case scenario? You both remain silent. You each get one year in prison. But <laughs> what, happens, what happens when I separate you guys and put you in separate rooms? Mm-hmm. You're both singing. You're yeah. both singing like birds trying to protect yourselves. <laughs> yeah, best case scenario is I get out free. That's... That's the yeah. best case scenario. That's what the that's what the that's interrogators do. Here. You know. Sorry, Judah, but yeah, you're, you're jailed. Which one of you sings first? Uh, probably. <laughs> I don't know, actually, because I know I probably would, but I think Judah would too. Now that Judah has a little family, I mean, I think he mm-hmm. would. He would. I think Judah might squeal first. The the uh, the only possible outcome is that you betray each other, because that you know that's what that's what happens, and you end up betraying each other, but. You know, people have done experiments on this and done different kinds of forms on it, and they always turn out that, like, you will very rarely do what is mutually beneficial. You both try to do what's individually beneficial at the detriment of the greater good. Well, so uh, let me let me interpret what you're saying here. Are you, are you trying to say that the Pac-12 media deal eventually could be better than the other deals and that yeah, it would be better? Yeah, I am told. Be better I'm to told. Stay? I'm told that if they stay the course years three and four of this deal are not bad and in fact they surpass the big 12 and uh, they surpass the ACC but I haven't seen the deal I'm just being told right. by somebody who has seen it so I'm taking somebody's word there so, so but, I, I mean I mean because basically this it sounds like this is what the what the deals are is like Oregon and Washington can take guaranteed money from the big 10 which is going to be initially more even though it's not a full share or they can stay with the pac 12 and hope that they get more than their you know, and, and get access deal. to the playoff, and then the same goes for the Arizona schools. Like you know, if they only do what's best for themselves individually, they may harm their partners and their uh, their conference members. It's I don't know. It's well, a, what it's, would you what would you do in that situation? Let's say it's you and you and Anna that are in jail. <laughs> are you are you? I wouldn't I you, wouldn't I wouldn't testify against her. So I'd be serving three years because she would testify. <laughs> <laughs> She would say, hey, John, I'm testifying, so you don't. I'm different, though. I'm a really weird – I'd be a weird university because I actually think Stanford is kind of how I would align myself. Which is what? I think Stanford is less interested in participating in any of this. 
and just happy to be Stanford at mm-hmm. this point. I think Stanford is going, I don't, I'm not real comfortable mm-hmm. with what's happening across the landscape. And so I do, I do think the Big Ten Conference, you know, as it came out today, the news today was kind of, they, hey, they wouldn't invite four, they would only invite two. Mm-hmm. I think part of that may have been rooted in the fact that they don't know if Stanford would take it. Because I think Stanford's going, yeah, we're happy. We're in Palo Alto. It's not, you know, being in the playoff, being on the big stage, it's not that important to us. We just have we have great swimming and diving, and we'll do our best in football. But isn't you that pro- – oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, but isn't that kind of like what BYU does as well with the whole religion Mormon thing? Like they kind of – they have come out and said sports don't necessarily matter. It's more about, you know, the religion and the culture. Yeah. But and then, then they, they jump, when they join the money. The big 12. Yeah, they chase – because somebody – I saw somebody on social media today who said – it was one of the pseudo-media members in the Big 12 country that's propped up because they've got a YouTube channel or something and said, hey, you know, Stanford would be a great candidate for the Big 12. And I just slapped my forehead, and I was like, Stanford is never going to the Big 12. It's not what Stanford's about. Stanford would only look at the Big 10 because academically they go, hey, they're like us. Let's have a conversation with Northwestern, and that would be their first call. How is it over there? You know, to Northwestern, they wouldn't call Ohio State first and be like, "How do? What do we need to do to win big in football?" If Stanford wanted to dominate in football, it would take part of its endowment and go, "Hey, we're going to dedicate an extra thirty million dollars a year to football, and we're going to be really good, and we're going to drop our academic standards, take people in the transfer portal, offer a Stanford education, and dominate." But they don't want to do that. You know why? Because they're Stanford. And they're going, we're okay being Stanford. Mm-hmm. We're comfortable here. Yeah. In our own our shoes. Our mascot's a tree. Yeah. Bring the band out. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. You got the bald-faced truth. I want your phone calls. 503-417-7575. Having good discussion today. I like it. Um, I'll tell you this. I am uh, really trying as much as I can to, uh, you know, to get... Uh, to get to the bottom of what is going on with the Pac-12 conference while also talk to you. You know, a lot of what I hear from people as they are um, as they are talking with me is, you know, I'm getting viewpoints from Oregon fans, from Washington fans, Washington State fans, Utah fans. I did two or three interviews, I can't even remember today, in Salt Lake City, where there's a lot of angst in Utah because Utah doesn't fit in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They already have BYU. They don't need Utah. Utah might think it's a candidate for the Big Ten Conference because I heard that a couple times today. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't the Big Ten want us? <laughs> and I, you know, Oregon fan, Oregon State fan, Washington fan, Washington State fan, you know what I did when they said that. I went, I was trying to be nice, and I went, you know, they might eventually be interested in you in the same way that, like, you know, Cindy Crawford might have eventually got around to dating you. They want to be your friend. <laughs> we can you be know, friends. You're in the friend zone. Yeah. No, yeah. We can but be I friends, just nothing more. If I mean, <laughs> I can make a scenario where the Big Ten eventually got to Utah. Yeah. But it's after Oregon, after Washington, after Stanford, after Cal. Once the Big Ten becomes the Notre Big Dame, after Notre Dame. Yeah. It goes. No, but maybe Florida State or Clemson's available. I don't know if the ACC breaks up. It would get there uh-huh. eventually. But Utah doesn't have anywhere to go, and they're really good. And I, what I was trying to impart to Utah was Utah reminds me of Portland 
You know, there's a lot of similarities between Salt Lake City and Portland. There are. Its market size is very similar. Okay. One, about 1.1 million. Yeah. You have an NBA team there, an NBA team here. Mm -hmm. They're both small market teams that have struggled in different ways to compete. And I frankly think that the rest of the United States looks at Portland, looks at Salt Lake City, and often overlooks the, uh, those mm -hmm. cities as sports markets. Yeah. I think there's some similarities mm -hmm. in that way. Um, I just think uh, Utah doesn't have a bunch of places to go. Which makes it all the more remarkable what Oregon has done with its brand nationally. Oh, yeah. And so that's my question in all of this is, does Oregon, what does Oregon really want? What is best for Oregon? What is best for Oregon fans and for its student athletes? Like, Oregon has established itself as such a, a, a cool international brand, really, if we're talking about it. And so would it want to continue being associated with the Pac-12 that has had its brand so beat up? Because that doesn't really match what Oregon is about as mm -hmm. a brand. Oregon is about innovation, cutting edge, what is next, um, you know, setting the pace, that kind of thing. Um, but is, you know, is leaving the conference and uh, and going a harder path to the playoff, is that really what's best for Oregon football? I don't, I don't think so that that's what's best but in the long but, term does that exposure as being part of the big 10 i know that does that know what you're help saying. it in the long term i know what you're saying i don't think so because i think in the long term we've seen brands like nebraska struggle struggle mightily in the big 10 conference that was a big brand before you know nebraska joined the big 10 and just struggled mm -hmm. we've watched um a program like uh texas a&m go to the sec as roy pointed out not really register missouri missouri was a pretty good big 12 program mm -hmm. went to the sec disappeared yeah nebraska's pretty much disappeared as a football entity by going to the big 10 i don't think oregon would disappear but i just i think if if you're talking about the, you have to tell me what the big stage is. Like, I need to know. When Rob Mullen says, we want the exposure, is he talking about on a Saturday afternoon on linear TV on ABC? Or is he talking about you're in the college football playoff when it expands to 12 teams three out of every four years? Well, but he specified the playoff, and he said exposure as a different item. So I think he means linear the TV. The other thing. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and to Anna's point, Oregon, they are one of one. Like, there's nobody like Oregon. If they go to the Big Ten, are they just another team? I don't think they would be just another team, but I don't think they would be as successful on the field. And maybe it's 10% less, maybe it's 15 20% less successful on the field. You have to tell me. But, you know, and I also think for – Look, we were criticizing UCLA and USC for leaving the Pac-12. Oh, it's going to be such a stress on athletes. Oh, student-athlete welfare. I'm hearing some people now who are forget forgetting what we were saying back then because their school might be a candidate. I want you to leave it here. So I woke up this morning, and uh, I did the uh, Dan Patrick radio show uh Zoom call, whatever it is with Dan Patrick, which required me to put on a decent shirt and jacket, <laughs> take a shower. That's the hardest part, isn't it? <laughs> I was a little crunched on time. Oh, dark 30. 
Uh, I like Dan Patrick. I think we see the universe in a similar way. Uh, always felt that way. He's always been good to me. I don't know why. I don't know why. He's always been good to me. Because you do good stuff? I don't know. I, I, he just, he's been very good to me. Yeah. Yes, over the years. And uh, so he invited me on. I did his show, whatever. And then, then unfortunately. How can you downplay that? Oh, I was just on the Dan Patrick show. It, like, can I just say, as your wife, I'm proud that you were on the Dan Patrick show. You know what was weird? I thought you did a great job. I was in this studio. Right. Okay. I'm in this studio doing okay. the Zoom call. And it ended. And then I cleaned up, packed up, turned off the computer, went out of this studio into the rest of the house. Yeah. And you guys were in the living room, and the nine-year-old and you are standing in front of the TV watching it. I know. It was horrifying <laughs> to me to see myself on the screen, along with your dad. And your dad looks at me, thumbs up, and he goes, good job. <laughs> Which was awesome. Awesome. I love that. Um, but uh, it was... Um, it caused it did cause me a little problem. Why? Because that's that's a very his show is everywhere. Yeah. And I had had several requests from other radio stations. Hey, can you do, do an interview? Can you do an interview? Oh. So I couldn't go. I'm not doing interviews today, or <laughs> I'm busy with it. You know. Yeah. So I did say yes to a few other interviews, including Salt Lake City, Seattle, and some other places. Okay. Yeah. But um, I did two two interviews in C Salt Lake City. Yeah. On the same station. Okay, two different hosts. Okay. Okay, Bill Riley, who comes on this show, yeah. and then another host uh, after him, who's okay. the show right after him. Right. So by the time I got to that second interview, I was a little punchy. Yeah, I was going to say, couldn't they just take audio from they the could've. first interview? I asked Bill Riley. I said, should I do the second interview? And he said, do it, because he goes, it's a different show. I don't want, because it causes problems when you have lo two live local shows, yeah. and I do one show and not the other. Okay. The other show can get their feelings hurt, and it causes problems with the hosts. Oh, I've been okay. there. Okay. I have been there when we've had a, other live local shows on, yeah. before so and after So you're punchy me. on the second one, punchy. second time around. I'm a little punchy. I haven't eaten. Yeah. I'm weary. Yeah. And so the host is interviewing me, and I've been on his show before, and he says to me, you know, he says, what's important to Oregon? What do they value? And I answer the question. I say, you know, Oregon's Oregon's primary emphasis is they want access to the playoff. Yeah. They want to be in the playoff. That's yeah. what they've always been after. They were yeah. in the first playoff. They want to get back in the Phil playoff. Phil Knight's 86 years old. Yeah. They want to get to the playoff. They want Phil to be able to sit at a playoff game yes. and go, I paid for this. Yes. You know? And ideally, yeah. go far. So I, uh, I said that. And then the very <laughs> next follow-up question from the host is, yeah, but in the Big Ten Conference, wouldn't they get more money? Wouldn't they get... And I about lost it. And I just said, Why? you're not listening. I said, you're not listening to my answer. I'm telling you what matters is the playoff. And I realized I apologized to him. I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm punchy with you. But I, I, I find myself in the last year having to repeat myself on that topic and also having to repeat myself on the idea of what matters, TV households in a media market, yeah. Or ratings and brand. Mm -hmm. That one comes up a lot. Yeah. Even though I think like we've had a huge public service for when people like Bob Thompson, the Fox sports president, who comes on and says, here's what we value in the media world. Uh, there's been a um, there's been a public service and education publicly yeah. that we've all received, I think, in the last year. We know way too much yeah, about this stuff. Yeah. But um, I was just I, I about lost it when he didn't listen to me. It's one of my peeps when I hear people being interviewed when the interviewer is not listening mm -hmm. to the guest.
He just mm-hmm. told you yeah. what was important to Oregon. So yeah. I, I told the guy, I said, I'm sorry, I was a little punchy with you there. I can understand. And he said, don't worry about it. Family show. But isn't it, <laughs> I'm going to do what he did to you now, though. Isn't it, isn't the money factor still part of the conversation? I mean, <sighs> that's why, <laughs> that's why Oregon's. Well, what is, what, what does Eugene's household market look like, too? I mean, is that important, John, or is it just Eugene's the brand? Eugene's household market Eugene is gets Portland. Yeah. Well, so is that they market get one, big? I just I don't think it's important. One point one. You get one point one million. You get yeah. the same as Salt Lake City, but Oregon's brand and ratings give you like a one point one with a star next to it. Okay, so you get one point one million, but you have a big star next to it. Ooh. So all things being equal, the Big Ten Conference is interested in Oregon, you know, and that's why it's the big star. They go, hey, we can get Portland, Seattle, and we get a brand. They're interested in it. But to your point, Anna, with money, let's play the game. Okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. You and I are competing for a spot in the college football playoff. Okay. Okay? Yes. I'm going to give you um, and me, we're going to belong to a conference, mm-hmm. and we get $30 million each okay. to spend. Right. But I have Phil Knight mm-hmm. in my stable. Yeah. And you don't. Okay. Okay? You have... A bunch of boosters, you have to make 4,000 phone calls to raise the same amount of money that I make with one phone call. Right. Okay? When we make $30 million, we're on a level playing field, right? Yeah. Oh, uh-uh, we're not. I have Phil Knight, mm-hmm. and you don't. Okay. Okay, what if we make $28 million? Is my <laughs> advantage greater or smaller? Mm, greater. Okay. What if we make $15 million? My advantage greater or smaller? Even greater. What if we make $1 from our media rights? Is your, my... your advantage is really great. Okay. Right? Yes. So Am I following your logic? You're following here? Because my logic. I have to work that much harder yeah. to earn all that money. Doesn't matter to me. It, none of it matters to it's me. It's irrelevant to you. It's not as relevant. But Rob Mullins will never say it's irrelevant. Yeah. He'll say revenue is important. He'll say, you know, because it's true. They do, you don't want to just milk Phil Knight for, like, hey, we took no media yeah. rights money. You want to have enough to have your budget. And you want Knight's presence to kind of come over the top of it as mm-hmm. a advantage. Yeah. But, you know, think about what happened to Oregon football in the last 15 years. It rose. Yeah. Why did it rise? It was revenue in the conference, media rights distributions in the conference were falling behind the rest of college athletics. They were shrinking relative to the SEC and the Big Ten. But Oregon, it didn't matter. They were immune to it. Who else rose? Utah. Why? Utah's fan base. It's the only stadium in the western part of the United States that expanded while everybody else was going, we can't sell our tickets. They have a wait list still for their season tickets. Mm -hmm. They have a demand. So they have a robust fan base that will write checks and give gifts. Utah's got an advantage as well. It's not Phil Knight, but it's, you know, 40,000 people who have nothing else to do in the middle of Salt Lake City. Sorry, no apologies to people in Salt Lake. I've been, I've seen you. I've talked to you at the stadium. You are happy to be there. It's almost a Midwestern town mm-hmm. in that way. Um, who else rose during that 15-year period? Well, Washington State had a little spike up, and I've looked at it. Like, why did Washington State get good while there was less money? It doesn't make sense to me, except when you consider – that they had what Malcolm Gladwell would call an outlier. Mm -hmm. They had Mike Leach. He was an outlier. He was different. Mm -hmm. He was a head coach who called plays. You didn't have to pay a head coach and an offensive coordinator. You had one and the same, and he was willing to take less money and be in a place like Pullman, and he was doing something squirrely on offense. Mm -hmm. And so 
he was an outlier. He created a little bit of an advantage. That's the, the beauty of Mike Leach. Who else rose up? Well, Washington did for a time. Mm-hmm. They struggled for a time as well. But if you look at what happened with Washington, they, had, they went from like Tyrone Willingham to Steve Sarkeesian, uh, you know, to, uh, to um, I'm blanking on, uh, on Chris Peterson. I was going to call him Pete. Um, to Chris Peterson, mm-hmm. then to Jimmy Lake, mm-hmm. now to Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. They had tremendous turnover, right. and yet still amid the turnover, they had a really nice run with Chris Peterson and have now started a really nice run with Kalen DeBoer. It's really unusual that you would have that many head coaches in that period of time mm-hmm. and still have periods where you had great success. So if you look at it, you go, you know, Oregon, Utah, Washington. You know who didn't do well when the money went down? USC, relative to what USC has been historically, when the money diminished, USC didn't come over the top. The boosters at USC must have not been giving. In the wake of the Pete Carroll, Reggie Bush, Matt Mm -hmm. Leinart era, there wasn't open checkbooks at USC for some reason. I think there was a disconnect with university leadership and the athletic department leadership, Lynn Swan, Pat Hayden. There was problems at USC. But it's, I don't think it's, you know, I think it's hard if you haven't been here for 20 years looking at it. Right. But if you've been here 20 years looking at it, you're going, oh, hell, Oregon doesn't need money. What Oregon needs is everybody just to get mediocre money. Oregon thrives in that mediocre pool because they've got the great equalizer. They've got Phil Knight at Nike. Oregon State is trying to copy Utah. The culture, mm-hmm. the stadium, the yeah. fan base, they're trying to copy it to right. their credit. Yeah. But that's how I see it. The money matters, sure. Ron Mullins is never going to come on the show and go, yeah, we want less media rights revenue. He's never going to say that. But I think they're well aware that as the revenue was shrinking in the Pac-12 and relative to others, they were doing okay. It was an advantage in a weird, weird way. Should we do the 5 at 5 and then take some calls? Oh, is it 5 o'clock? I completely lost track of the time. Why don't I take a couple calls while you get ready? (laughs) For the 5 at 5.15 or whatever we're going to do it. Let's go to Mike in Seattle. Mike, welcome to the conversation. Hey, John. You're on. You got it, Mike. Uh, actually, I'm in Salem, but thank you. Oh, you bet. What's up? So I'm a, I'm a multiple recent time caller. Uh, I'm the one who called in recently when I didn't know the answer to the question on the 5 oh, at 5 for the tickets yeah, for the Mariners. Yeah, appreciate you. And uh, I told you before that I love this segment with your wife. It's why I like to listen to your, well, your program. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. People always tell me she's the best part of the show, and I don't know how to feel about that, but I appreciate she's that. She's fun and raw. It's hilarious. I like yeah. it. So, um, I'm also from the Bay Area, so uh, you know, I, I don't know your radio personality from down there. I, I've listened to the Tolbert, Razor. I've yeah. listened to Murph and Mac. I know Greg those guys. Papa. What, yeah. what did you do down there? I, I wasn't on the radio down there. I was working at the Mercury News covering the NFL and Major League Baseball. And gotcha. I grew up. I grew up listening to KNBR sixty eight with uh, with the radio underneath my pillow in my bedroom at night. There you and go. So, but I remember Ralph Barbieri. Remember that? Remember the Razor? Oh yeah. And, yeah oh yeah. He, yeah. Real good. What's on your mind? Anything well, again, else? you're just doing a great show. I, I, it's 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 an awesome radio station you do, and, and thank a, you. And a great format. I appreciate it. Thank you. I think part of the beauty of the show is that. I have no formal training. He was just calling to give us compliments? I need more of those. Wow. Call anytime, Mike in Seattle. It's Mike in Salem. Go on. Wherever you are. Go on. <laughs> uh, 
here's a different Mike in Seattle. Now this guy's just going to roast us. Go yeah. ahead, Mike. Let's balance. Bring it out. us down to earth. <laughs> no, no, you two. I yes, I'm the original Mike in Seattle, right? <laughs> you are OG. the OG. And I, um, no, I think you both do a great job. I listen. I listen every day, you know, from three to six, so I can get my fix of what's going on down there in Oregon in the Portland area. Thank you. And so back to the back to market size and things like that. So I would be counted in the market size up here for TV, wouldn't I? Or radio, let's say. Yeah. The guys at KJR are out there selling advertising. They say they have, have eyes, but I don't listen to them up here. Right. I listen to down there, and I think that's the way the TV thing is. Just because the market size says that's the size yeah. the TV is hooked up to something, yeah. it's the number of eyeballs that are actually watching. So you're talking about ratings. As we go to a, yeah. Yeah, you're talking, yeah, you're well, talking about and, ratings. And, yeah, and advertising on the show, that's what drives the economy so that the school can get the money. So it's all about who's actually clicking. And I think a, either Apple or Amazon or whoever, yeah. they're going to wait for that data to come in. And for that's sure. when they're going to escalate. So it's a lagging indicator. Hey, the other thing is, I think this, is, I think this whole thing is like, a, is like a patient on hospice. Everybody knows what's going to happen. They just don't know when. And at some point, you know, when you go every day to see that patient, after a while you go, okay, God, it's time, time to move on. And with this Pac-12 thing, Pac-10, Pac-9, uh, I'm hoping in the next couple of days there's going to be a finality yeah. to it. And then we can pick up the pieces and move on and look hopeful and have fun yeah. and do that. And it's going to be different. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this. Fan. I'll, I'll tell you this. I think I don't think you're going to have to wait a couple of few days. I think this this Arizona Board of Regents meeting that is coming up at six o'clock is going to be interesting. If there is no news out of that meeting, like no, hey, Arizona is going, Arizona State is going. Uh, I believe at eight o'clock the University of Washington's meeting is also going to be no news, which. I think points to tomorrow being a very good day for people who are hoping that the Pac-12 conference is going to stay together. If the Board of Regents meeting at 6 o'clock tonight is Arizona's gone, Arizona State's gone, I think there's a chance that Washington at 8 o'clock could say, hey, we're gone, and Oregon could say we're gone. And it could be an over tonight. Could be. But I'm in the last half hour getting a multitude of text messages from people around the Pac-12 footprint who are saying the same thing. They're all saying they're hearing optimism. They're hearing sudden optimism. They're hearing uh, people talk more enthusiastically about the conference surviving. Anna, you were here. Phone call yeah. during the commercial break. <laughs> yeah. Let's not say who it was. Uh, it was uh, the head men's basketball coach at a school not in the state of Oregon <laughs> in the Pac-12. Pac-12 coach called and wanted to know what was happening. He's asking me. He's at a Pac-12 school. He's one of the nine remaining basketball coaches in the Pac-12, not in the state of Oregon, not Wayne Tinkle, not Dana Altman. Yeah. Called me. Called me three times today, by the way. Yeah. Finally, I, it was a commercial break. I picked up. He says, you heard him. I know. What's going on? He's lost. He said he's following my tweets like crazy. <laughs> But I don't want to uh, say who it is. Like I want finality, too, because I want yeah. my husband back. This has been uh, ongoing now. Yeah. You're living and breathing this story. It's good to be missed.
Good to be missed. Um, let's do uh, let's do another phone call here. David's David's in Astoria. You're going to do the five at five. I'm not sure the five at five is more interesting than this discussion. All right, all right. Dave's in Astoria. Dave. All right. Well, two things. First, more kudos. I very much appreciate how uh, you g- are giving us on the Pac-12, ten, nine, fourteen uh, situation. <laughs> uh, both breaking news and a deeply knowledgeable, incisive uh, amount of analysis. So tuck that, tuck that in, your, uh, in your stocking cap and, and admire it later. Uh, the, the more important thing is NBA broadcasting. I'm a huge Doris Burke fan. I don't think they could have made a better choice. I love how uh, knowledgeable she is, how even-handed she is, and that yeah. her sense of timing of when to... Uh, comment and when not. What's your sense of that choice? I, I like her a lot, and I think it's a great move. I think it's a good it's a good move by the broadcast crew. I I, I don't know, Stephen. Were you a big Mark Jackson? I like Van Gundy. I, I think I'll miss Van Gundy if Jeff Van Gundy's not going to get any kind of broadcast and run in the NBA playoffs. I'll miss that, but. Doris Burke works for me. How about you, Stephen? Yeah, uh, I'm a big Jeff Van Gundy guy. I think he will probably get picked up by uh, TNT. It seems like a really good – his brother's already there. I think that would be a great choice for him. I'm not the biggest Mark Jackson guy. I didn't think he really brings that much to the table. Uh, So I'm okay with that being like, go Doris Burke. I like Doris. I have a criticism of her that she's just – overly positive with everybody um i want a little more negativity and a little more criticism okay. but i'm fine with it and then doc rivers if he's the guy as well i think doc doc's really good as well i think he's really good at talking yeah. so I'm, I'm fine with the choices um all i right. will miss van gundy though all right that's number one at the five at five david do you have number two? <laughs> oh, that was it that was number okay. two the first one uh, was the kudos and and well thank you've you gotten them all right ready so that's the last time i'll yeah. do that i'll tell you the advice i give young broadcasters and young sports writers you're never as good or as bad as they say you are the minute you believe either one you're done the truth you're done it's never as good it's good advice for all things i you know i tell our daughters that it's never as good or as bad as you think it is you know use that as necessary it's true because people tend to think in extremes you know yeah worst ever best ever best day worst day sometimes it's just a pretty good day i think it's hard for people to understand that this whole Pac-12 thing has been a moving target for a year. Yeah. And, you know, they don't see, I see it, because I'm your wife. I see you on the phone texting with people. They don't understand the breadth of sourcing that you have. They think you have, like, one or two sources that you're getting your information from, when actually it's, like, dozens of people, if not more, that you're talking with, and that you're not arriving at your conclusions haphazardly that you know you're you're not you're not like a propaganda machine for the pac-12 you're certainly not you know it's not your job to be their pr firm at all but you are talking to people at the highest levels and basing your reporting off of that it to me i always say it's like remember back in like the late 80s early 90s you go to the mall they had that poster store I, I'm still baffled that that was a thing. You could, you had a Prince oh, yeah. Plus or whatever yeah, it was yeah, called. Yeah. It was a poster store that existed in every mall in America. Yeah. They, they all of a sudden had this poster that had 
some kind of a bunch of designs and squiggles on it, but there was really nothing there, and you had to stare at it and relax your eyes to see the sailboat. Yeah. You know, you remember that? Yes. You had to relax your eyes. Stare at it and relax your eyes. Yeah. That's kind of what reporting is. You're staring at all of this information, and you're kind of weeding through everybody's agenda. Yeah. And you're relaxing your eyes and arriving at, do I see us? What do I see behind all of this? And and then the next day it changes. It can change. Yeah. Because just look at this Pac-12 CEO group that has met, yeah. seemingly agreed multiple times through the year, and now are seemingly fractured and, the, I and think looking at each other going, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't know. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? And think about the people in the room, though, too, because Oregon has had three different presidents. Oregon State's had two different presidents. Stanford's president just resigned. Resigned. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, when you meet, it's like, who's on the Zoom? You know, like, yeah. let's get to know me. Right. You know, Oregon's new president came in the door and I was like, how's that going to work? Everybody goes, OK, here's what we talked about. Over the last year, give them the primer, you know, like you have new people coming in. This is like in The Bachelor where they bring in a new bachelor or bachelorette candidate like in week nine. So-and-so is making a return to the show. Well, now all of a sudden you got new information. The room changes a little bit. But I also think. Well, and each of those people that it is representing in university theoretically is trying to do what's in quotes best for the university. Yeah. Right. But there's so many ways to define what is best for the university. Do you, find, do you define that in terms of dollar amounts? Do you define that in terms of what is best for your student athletes and their travel schedules and their lives? Uh, do you do what's best for the boosters? And what, what do the boosters want? It's like, who's yeah. best? Are and you all, serving? And they're all so different. I mean, Stanford and Washington State get into the elevator together. You know, they're different. Their cultures are different. Oregon State and Arizona State are different. Oregon and Oregon State are different. Washington and Arizona are different. Cal and Oregon are different. Like, the, you know, there are a couple that, like Washington and Oregon can walk hand in hand. But who walks with Stanford? Nobody, really. And Cal, yet, a little bit. In the different. meritocracy of college football and what it's becoming, which is closer to being like pro football, what is best will be who winds up in the playoffs and who winds up winning titles, right? Well, it'll be Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> uh, Nisha's in Salem. Nisha, welcome. Hey, John. How you been, man? It's been I'm, a minute. I'm good. So, good to hear you. You know that where, where my allegiance lies as far as conferences and stuff, but my favorite thing about the Pac-12 has always been that everybody cannibalizes them, themselves. Yes. And it'll be harder to do with USC and UCLA out of the picture. I think mm. Oregon and Washington will be better at, you know, have, and Utah. Those are going to be the three that are going to, because they have the experience, not necessarily fall into that problem like they have. I'm telling yeah. you, you if, if fans are sick of the cannibalism they get now, hmm. wait till you go to the Big Ten if that's what happens, and you get beat by a Purdue that has a great night. You get beat by. An Iowa that ha that is going crazy, a Minnesota that has a fluke play. Like they, everybody out here makes fun of the Big Ten schools who have an off night. But and you know, you brought up the Oregon Ohio State game from a couple years ago. It was a September game. That was Oregon's national championship that year. Yes, it was yes. a all right. We played a game on to the next for Ohio State. Yep. Like it, it's a completely different mindset. And look where those seasons ended. Ohio State 
ended up at the end of that thing playing really well, and they were scary good at the end of the year, and mm-hmm. Oregon kind of tailed off. Nisha, thank you for that call. More of your calls coming up, 503-417-7575. We are about a half an hour, 35 minutes away from the Arizona Board of Regents meeting. Should be some interesting information coming out of that. Man, I wish we were on air when that happened, but I'll have it covered for you at johnconzano.com. If you are interested in knowing what goes on, what's going to happen, make sure you get a free subscription or a paid subscription there. Just do what works for you, johnconzano.com. Leave it here. We've got a lot of stuff going on in the news outside of the Pac-12 conference. We'll talk about some of that uh, between now and the end of the show. Coming up at 6 o'clock, the uh, Arizona Board of Regents will be meeting. There's uh, a lot of speculation about what will happen there. It's going to be really interesting to see what happened. NFL preseason. We have a preseason game tonight, the Hall of Fame game. Yeah, Hall of Fame game, uh, Cleveland Browns. Jets, Browns. Yeah, no Aaron Rodgers, though. You into this game? Um, I have a bet on it, but no, I'm not into it. (laughs) You bet on this game? Yeah. I have the best of the number two. I bet it earlier in the week at uh, Jets plus two and a half. Closed at Jets minus two, so I'm feeling good. You're feeling really good about that. Feeling great. Uh, but you're you're gonna see a bunch of guys you never seen play play. You don't know how much they're gonna care. It's all about the quarterbacks, though, John. The Browns have Kellen Mond. Remember him, Texas A and M. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mike Zimmer, the former Vikings coach when he was with Minnesota, basically said that he sucks and is terrible. Versus mm-hmm. Zach Wilson. So I, I went Zach Wilson on that one. Okay, you're just betting on the QB. Yeah, Pete Pete Prisco covers the NFL. He talked about the Hall of Fame game. I've been there twice. Uh, I covered a game there once way back in the day, the Jacksonville Jaguars' first game. I was there last year when Tony Baselli went in. It is a, fa- a fantastic weekend. It really is. The game doesn't matter. It, it matters for guys who are playing in the NFL for the first time. Keep an eye on that. Young players, see how they adjust to the speed of the game because it's different. Training camp is one thing. You get the game, it's different. Other than that, none of it matters. Now, None of it matters except we need, Stephen, what do we need? We need to gamble on it. But which, no. we need the Jets? Yeah, Jets, sorry. Jets by a field goal works for you? Yeah, Jets win, okay. Jets lose by two or one. I'm fine with all that. All right. How bad is it that I haven't checked my uh, power, but my Mega Millions tickets from Tuesday nights? I bought, I bought some tickets. D- did anyone win it? No, I. we tried. Me and me and Coach Vaughn tried. We usually don't do that kind of thing, but we for some reason she was super into it. She's like, yeah, let's go get some, and uh, we did not. So nobody won. We Not here. I don't think Judah won. No. I didn't win. If I nobody won, won anywhere. I'm looking at it right now. It's $1.25 billion now. Oof, I might have to go get some more, because if I win, I'm just I'm just letting you know, John, I, you're going to need someone else for the show. Like, I'm Never out. see you again. Yeah, I'll, I'm disappearing from the world. N- never hear you again. Uh, there were seven winners of the Megaplier prize, $4 million. And there were 28 winners, or 135 winners, of $10,000. So somebody won $4 bucks. If I it's, if I won that, I'd come back. I'd be back. Okay. I got to check my tickets. Yeah. Casey's in Beaverton. Casey, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Um, I'm just calling because of the old Pac-10 thing, Pac-12 thing, whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, Pac-9. I called a little over a year ago and suggested that what they needed to do before everything spiraled out of control was cut out the cancer, which is the Big Ten and the SEC, all the other uh, major conferences and the smaller conferences should all band together. It's the only way you get enough viewership to maybe get some out of a decent uh, TV package. Now I think it's too late, uh, or it's most likely too late, so I think maybe the only thing that 
Oregon State and Washington State can do is invite the entire Mountain West to join them so they still have a bid for the national championship. Otherwise, uh, I think the future is pretty dim. Uh, it, it is interesting, though, that the schools that are going to join the Big Ten and the SEC are eventually going to find out that since it's all about money, eventually those who don't offer enough revenue are going to be excised again, and I think there's going to be contracts. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think what you're getting at is this is just the beginning of what will be, uh, I think, 2028, 2029, 2030 is going to be messy. You've got the ACC members now. There's four or five members that are a little squirrely saying they could defect and cause a bunch of chaos. Um, I kind of wonder what the SEC and the Big Ten are thinking, you know, because they can't rescue everybody. Everybody would love to have Notre Dame. Everybody would probably like to have Florida State or Clemson, but you can't rescue everybody. Uh, really going to be interesting to see how it kind of unfolds. Ken is in. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask What's you. Up? Do you? So you know, I just I go back to this right now a lot lately. The big what if back in 2011 when the Pac-12 was actively going after Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, the other two Big 12 schools I can't. Who are the other Texas Tech? Maybe Oklahoma State. Was, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I'm looking at it right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think you know? Realignment stuff seems to happen every once in a while. If the Pac-12 could just stay alive, do you think there's going to be another point in the next 10, 15 years where more schools are going to become available and the Pac-12 could actually go back and get yeah. other schools to come back? Yeah, or it gives you it just gives you a chance to exhale a little bit. This conference has been under fire for 14 months and under attack for 14 months. And so I think one of the one of the beauties of, you know, if you cut a deal, even if it's a 5-year deal, is it gives you a, a chance to measure the landscape a little bit and go, okay, what is working, what isn't working? Um, you know, is SMU would SMU be a great addition? Um, you know, is UNLV do they do they become an emerging market with the you know? It gives you a chance to look around and he and here's the other thing. I'm going to share something that I don't think has been reported, but in December, I found out that the Pac-12 was still modeling media rights deals that included UCLA. I found that curious because, remember, the Board of Regents or the UC Regents were meeting and everybody thought, you know, UCLA was gone. And and I, I remember leaving Media Day, not last year, not this last one in Vegas, but two years ago in L.A., and I told Anna we there was the next morning I was at breakfast and we were about to fly out and – I said to Anna, I said, gosh, they were super cordial about UCLA, but they were kind of not about USC. And it just, it's one of those things that I talk about. Like, I just kind of picked up that they were leaving the door open for UCLA. And so, to the caller's point, five years from now, seven years from now, there's a chance that UCLA has had enough of the Big Ten and is going hey, this is great, we got a taste of this, the travel sucks, our women's basketball team hates it, our soccer team hates it. Um, it and if you're the Pac-12 and you can add back in the L.A. TV market now, are we talking about jumping from maybe your media rights deal in year four or five of this thing is like 32, 35 million? Are you now talking about the possibility of getting 40 million, 45 million? I don't know. So at this point, it's it's survive in advance. If you're yeah. the Pac-12, you just got to survive this little moment here. Survive in advance, live to play another day, use whatever metaphor that you uh, that you think works. Um, you know, I, I I think that's it. 
I think that's where we go with it. Ken's in Portland. Ken, what do you got? What's on your mind, man? Hey, John. Uh, as, as someone who's an alumni of two Pac-12 schools, I just have to start by saying I, I'm just incredibly sad that we're at this point talking about the potential demise of our conference. Uh, 14 months ago, actually 21 months ago, when they hired George Koyakov, I, I, I had hope in my heart that uh, the dark days of Larry Scott were going to be over and we were uh, going to find stability for our conference. Because I think that you kind of touched on this earlier. The only thing that's been holding back the U of O and the UW is instability. Instability yeah. in coaching, instability in the programs. Once you get stability in those programs with their donor bases and whatnot, the sky's the limit for both programs. But the things that I wanted to talk about really are the – I really hope that we don't have to go to the Big Ten because there are some disadvantages. You touched on another part thing earlier. People don't realize that traveling east, we've known for many years in the NFL, West Coast teams that travel east, especially going two and three time zones east, jet lag affects them. Um, sportsinsight.com has an article, an analysis of West Coast NFL teams going one, two, three time zones east. And, they, and their Tough. analysis is against the spread, which in theory factors in uh, strength of the teams, uh, home field advantage, all that sort of thing. And the simple fact of the matter is, is if you go two, two time zones east, you have a 45.7% winning percentage. If you go three time zones east, you have 43.6% winning percentage against the spread. That's in the first week. If you do it two weeks in a row, it drops to 38.1 and 29.6. And the thing is, is take a look at the Big Ten. Where are the, the power programs in the Big Ten? They're three time zones away. They're Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. That's where most of the problem is. And I think that you kind of see what, why is it that the, the Western Division – of the Big Ten traditionally has been weaker than the Eastern Division. They're going east, and you don't get that advantage coming back. The East Coast teams going west do not suffer the same jet lag disadvantage that the West Coast teams have going east. And so Barrio Washington jumped to the Big Ten until they add two more teams, add the you know, Stanford and, and uh, Berkeley. Um, until we have enough of a, a genesis of West Coast teams to play in the Big Ten, we're going to have teams that are tired that are going back there that will lose some games that if they played them at home would have won. And, so, and that's going to be, you know, until they add enough teams to do that. And then the second thing is the money difference. You take a reduced share. Rutgers and Maryland took reduced shares for, I want to say, the first six years of their existence in the Big, the big Ten. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt them because yeah. they're East Coast teams. For Ken, us, Ken, I, I, gotta, I, 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 I don't want you to water down your original point, which I thought was a good one. That Ken was getting at, it's going to be difficult for teams that join that conference. They don't think about the wear and the tear of the travel. And I think that that is part of it. Um, I I think that also, it's not just the wear and tear and the travel. I I covered that conference, and I'm just here to tell you it. I For one season, I was on Indiana. Antoine Randall L. was the quarterback at Indiana. He's a hell of a player. 
played in the NFL as a wide receiver, played quarterback at Indiana. Cam Cameron, who's a very good coach, he's an NFL offensive coordinator type coach, he's a very good head coach, and Indiana got its teeth kicked in every game. It got beat by Purdue and Michigan State and Wisconsin and Ohio State and Michigan, and uh, I just... I'm not saying that happens to Oregon and Washington, but I'm just saying I would say that the Indiana team I covered was about on the level of maybe like Washington State this year. You know, that's a 2-10 and ten season for in the Big Ten Conference. It's, it's just a different day-in and day-out grind. What I love about the 12-team playoff is the fact that you get the opportunity to take a team that is a conference champion and a second-place team in the Pac-12 And you get to stick them in a bracket against two or three SEC teams, two or three Big Ten teams, a group of five team, and everybody, you know, a Big 12 team or two, and everybody gets to mix it up. Let's see your best against our best against their best. That's kind of the spirit of what a playoff is supposed to be. You know, I don't want all the best teams in the SEC because then you only get one or two, or you get two into the playoff. No, I I want, like, Ohio State and Michigan. I want Alabama and Georgia. I'll take uh, last year. I'll take USC and Utah, maybe Washington, uh, and uh, I'll take TCU. And give me you know a couple of outliers that you know group of five and a second place or third place team in the Big Twelve, and let's see what happens. You know, to me, if 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 you just want to put all the best teams in the same conference, just combine the SEC and the Big Ten and forget everything else. Everybody else drop football. But I don't think that's what people want. Leave it here. To the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with the University of Arizona and Arizona State. Uh, A couple things you want to look for coming up here at 6 o'clock as the Arizona Board of Regents meet. Look for a couple different things. Pete Thamel uh, of ESPN reporting that Arizona's in deep discussions with the Big 12. Some finality is expected as the Board of Regents meeting is coming up. Um, Doesn't really tip to they're gone, but sort of hints at it. Keep an eye on that. What you're looking for if uh, you're rooting for the uh, implosion of the Pac-12 is you uh, are looking for Arizona and Arizona State both to go to the Big 12 conference. That's what I was going to ask you real quick, John. Is Arizona State going to follow Arizona for sure, or is there a chance that they could... It would just be independent, and Arizona that, goes by themselves. That's what jumped out at me on the Thamel tweet, is is it It sounded to me like that was a one-off. It was not Arizona State, just Arizona. But I want to I hear the Board of Regents meeting. I also didn't hear finality in that. I heard, you know, they're going to meet and talk about it. Does that mean they're punting to tomorrow? I don't know. So I'll be uh, I'll have it if you want to follow me on Twitter after 6 o'clock, uh, at John Canzano BFT on Twitter. And make sure you're following me at johnconzano.com. I'll make sure that uh, I update you when I know. I will jump on that call. I'm sure they're going to go into executive session behind the scenes. So, um, you know, I just sent a note to a source at Arizona saying, you know, uh, what is going on? Uh, are uh, are you uh, are uh, are we going to basically have you in the Pac-12 conference in 2025 or not? And uh, keep an eye on that. But a couple other things that you want to pay attention to tonight. So if, if uh, there is a definitive decision on Arizona, if Arizona definitively says they are out, 
uh, it would all eyes then would turn to Arizona State. If Arizona State says, but we're not, stay tuned for 8 o'clock, as Washington has a trustees meeting at 8 o'clock. I don't know if Washington would make a decision without Oregon, though. Now, I was told earlier today that Oregon wanted to be part of the Pac-12, but needed to know that everybody else was on board, too. If Arizona wobbles, is that enough to make Oregon leave? Or does Oregon say, no, 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 Arizona can go. We stay in. Conference goes to 8, add San Diego State, add SMU. You're at 10. You move on. I don't know. I don't know. But pay attention at 6 o'clock. Pay attention at 8 o'clock. If the Pac-12 does not disintegrate tonight, tomorrow morning becomes interesting. Because I would expect that if it doesn't disintegrate tonight between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m., you're going to have tomorrow morning the you know the board, the Pac-12 CEO group, is a potential to meet tomorrow morning to potentially put pen to paper with the members that are going to hold over. Keep an eye on that. What's going to happen? I kind of lean 60-40 that the Pac-12 stays together in some form or fashion, whether that's with Arizona or not. I don't know. But uh, yesterday I was leaning against it in the evening. So 24 hours my mind has changed. Who knows where I'll be tomorrow. I just want this damn thing to end before the weekend. Maybe we can get to that. Uh, Turk is calling in about the Pac-12. Turk is a diehard Arkansas fan. What the hell is an Arkansas fan doing wanting to talk about the Pac-12? It's college football. Why you got to talk about it, right? So let's say you're the president of the Pac-12. And I know you said 60-40. But what do you really do? Do you say, okay, let's collapse it and we'll spread it out and get our money somewhere else? Or do you go, let's hold it together and add teams in? But they didn't get, who do you add in that's going to draw people to watch those games? Well, if I'm the Pac-12, San Diego State's a no-brainer. Um, if you're talking about the Pac-12 adding teams, I didn't make them do a suey pig. Uh, Pac, you know, if I'm the Pac-12, uh, I, I am looking at, you know, San Diego State as a no-brainer. It's harder with that second one. As a lot of SMU fans listen to the show and stream the show and follow me and message because they're interested in knowing if they're going to get into the conference, and I hear from them all the time, and they're just, um, they just really want to be part of Power Five conference football. And they see the Pac-12 as their way into the world. And I think when USC and UCLA left, I think SMU went, well, okay, take us and take San Diego State. We get in. But I think, you know, SMU comes with some complication, comes with um, a potential that, you know, you're looking at, uh, you know, uh, 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 having to expand your geographic footprint. Does Texas fit in the Pac-12? I don't know, culturally. Um, Stephen, what are you? Are you rooting for an outcome here, or are you just rooting for it to be over? Like, I I feel like I have a dog in the fight, and my dog in the fight is nostalgia, tradition, rivalries. I don't want to see Washington State and Oregon State get left behind, but I also want you know the Pac-12 to kind of come out of this in a in a good position, ready to compete. And if that position is not with you know at least eight of the nine remaining teams. That's not going to be a great spot. Yeah, I would love for the Pac-12 to survive. You know, I, as being out here on the West Coast, I've always loved the Pac-12. Uh, that was always my dream to play in the Pac-12. Never wasn't good enough, but you know, I got to play at a couple different spots, and I would love to continue it. I also think that with the with all the money being thrown around, the TV money and all the realignment stuff, 
it could be a bigger loss in college sports in general. Them trying to be like the NFL, they're going with the NFL model. They don't have they don't have the the product to be like the NFL. What they have going for them is the fan base, the traditions, you know the the uh, the alumni, the rivalries. That's what they got. It's not about the actual product on the field or court. And I think they're trying to make it more about that and more about the money. And I think ultimately it could be bad news for college sports. So I'm rooting for the Pac-12 to stay together. I think it'd be better for the sport. Yeah, I I think you got to root with uh, root for what's best for the sport. But you know what's going to set up tomorrow? A show for the ages tomorrow. We will react. We'll get your reaction. We'll get the biggest guess. If San Diego State is coming into the conference, I'll try to get J.D. Wicker, the athletic director at San Diego State, on the show. If the Pac-12 is imploding, we'll know about it. The Bald Face Truth not here for a long time, just a good time.